G'day Frost Lords and Dad Bods, it's AOS Coach here. We have a new battle tome to talk about. It is the Ogre Moor Tribes and I had to get the number one ITC ranked Ogre player. That is Jacob Matthias, uh, hopefully said that correctly this time. And it's a new book, man. It's a new day. The Everwinter has blessed us with uh, what I think is actually quite a good book. I know a lot of Ogre people were super concerned because... A lot of the slaves book got leaked, right? And people are freaking out going, there's no ogres. There's no ogres. It's going to be like a copy pasta type book where it's literally going to be like nothing has changed. And that's why it's not being leaked. But it's a bloody good book. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really happy. I was, I was, a, their numbers were a little bit low before, but what they needed in my mind was just a little bit better numbers. And that's mostly what they got. So I'm, Honestly, really, really happy. Yeah. By the way, thank you, Alec, for becoming a YouTube member. Much appreciated. And I just want to say very upfront in the first minute, I've always been a fan of Iron Blasters. Um, big fan of the channel. It's, I'm always talking about Iron Blasters. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that that's definitely. Uh, I mean, as any Ogre player will tell you, every every one of us has ended up with about four or five, just, just like the magically appearing along with about 20 bodies that they've got spare. So. I mean, there's going to be quite a few of them floating around. I'm betting. Oh, internet's back. Okay. Yeah, it's it's been crazy, right? And by the way, like the Ogre community does not have any insiders. You do. I've had this book for a while now, and it killed me not saying anything. It killed me. Um, I want to just share something with you. I want to tell you what to talk about. But um, that's why we're here, Jacob. We're here to talk about Ogres and get your early perspectives, given that it is a new book given that you haven't had many reps in with the new book just yet. But what are your early thinking? What are you currently seeing in the book that you wanted to explore? And, you know, is it good on both sides? Is there one particular build that is absolutely the build? You know, I, I want to get into your head to kind of give me some early direction. But before we get into that, what got you into Ogres? Um, honestly, uh, there is a... I've always liked the idea of ogres, always playing the, the big fat dude in games, you know, always played the warrior, always played the barbarian, whatnot. Um, I played lots of video games for previous years. Um, and I ended up picking up the total war game and I had so much fun running Minotaur doom stacks. And I learned about the ogres through uh lore master. And him bringing kind of learning lore about them. They seemed just like right up my alley. And then just kind of, reading on from there it was uh it kept on going kept on going yeah no they're, they're awesome they are so much fun and I'll, I'll be honest looking at this book like for for ages it's always been about beast claw raiders beast claw raiders i think finally gut busters are gonna have some time in the sun it feels like a oh, long yeah. time but it's been ages since I've seen like someone go heavy on gluttons, you know, bring out the iron blasters, scrap launchers. Um, there's the new blood help pelt hunter where I've seen some people talking about running three or even four and bringing in like their new version of Severus just to be annoying. I think there's some good list tech on the other side too. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited. When I first started out, my, my list were the old generic, like tyrant, gluttons and iron, iron guts just full list of that i got beaten down so many times because this was back in the uh 
before the original book that we had, the last one technically now. So running around with just generic uh, Grand Alliance destruction. But yeah, no, this is great to actually have them and like not feel like you're fighting uphill with two boulders. So imagine I haven't watched one of my videos yet or you haven't picked the battle tome up or maybe like I'm, I'm still very early on this journey. What's changed since the old book to the new book? Not in the macro sense, and we'll get into the weeds and we'll talk about war scrolls and we'll talk about things that we like, but just what have you noticed going from the old book to the new book? It's going from the old book to the new book. Not a ton has really changed. It pretty much is going along the same ideas, but it was, in my mind at least, it was mostly number tweaks to kind of, bring stuff up to snuff as they've been kind of power crept out of viability so just kind of bring them back up to snuff and now they can actually like you can play with the gluttons and the gorgers as ugly as they are <laughs> yeah i it, it wasn't a wholesale change it wasn't like maggot kid of nurgle that went from that super fast army to a very durable slow-paced army there were a lot of small tweaks along the way what the iron blaster got extra range and instead of doing d6 attacks it's doing 2d3 um you know the iron guts got a rend minus two gluttons like there's all these little changes right and on the surface you go great plus one rend who cares but when you start adding up all the little things right you know the gulping bite mortal wounds you add this you add this you add the frost lord monstrous rampages all of a sudden you realize just just how much you've gained. It's a huge amount of things that you've gained. Yeah, it is. It's the the damage that you can do now, whereas before I'd put six gluttons on the board and they'd be like, want to be like, oh, well, I just kind of ignore them. Now they're looking at them and they're getting kind of scared because <laughs> they can slap back now. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people going heavy on gluttons as well. So there's like, ooh, now now it's not just battle line tax. It's like I'm building around gluttons. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> so what – if I was new to Ogres, right, maybe I'm excited about picking up this battle tome for the first time. Like how would you describe their strengths and their play style? And then I might ask you a little bit about the different sides of the Ogres. All right. So I'd say it generically ogres are each of their units is pretty strong. You, you're not like corn where you have to focus on your bubbles and keeping stuff in range. You can send a guy off and he'll do okay on his own. Um, there's kind of, there's kind of developed a, almost a third play style. Now you've got like your big fat dudes running down the line. I'm going to charge you and we're going to wall up and it's going to be a funnel brawl. And now we've kind of gotten my local that really like the underguts. So you've got the, I'm going to shoot you off the table with my big old cannons. And uh, now you've got also this tried and true monster trucks. I'm going to drive my monster truck. Moo, moo, here I go. And uh, yeah. <laughs> no, there's, it's, I, I love that there's multiple dimensions, right? You can play with the, Beast Claw Raiders. So if you want to run all of the Frost Lords and you know the the Stonehorns and the Thunder Tusks and the Beast Riders, um, awesome. 
if you want to play with ogres and you want to have like the big meat wall and just move forward because you're hungry or you're eating, awesome. If you want to have a bit of a combination, it also works, which is which is it's a little bit Skaven esque, but um, it's awesome. It's um, it, it does give you a lot of unlike other factions where you've got to play one or the other. This does allow you to mix and match if you want to do that. Yeah, no, it's and that's honestly my favorite right now is trying to trying to figure it out. Is points are a little bit tough, but um, trying to play around with making a mixed list, I think will do. If you can, uh, uh, if you can make the points work, it'll be quite tasty. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> By the way, the big Apple gate down here painting iron blasters while we talk. Go on to Twitter. Go on to Twitter, and there is so many people painting iron blasters. Two, three, four iron blasters. It's a good time to have some shooting yeah. in the list. I think that's that's been missing, right? Scrap launches have been a joke for a while. Iron blasters were <laughs> decent, but just weren't good enough. And now they've got a massive glow up. Yeah. You had to sink so much in Iron Blasters to make them just do generically okay before, whereas now they're you can you can have a, a little shooty thing and it does okay on its own, which is awesome. Talk to me about the Beast Claw Raider side for a second. Do you think that's a that's still competitive? Because that's always been the competitive side since day one. It's always been about monster trucks. It's always been about Frost Lords and Stone Horns and just that type of build and Mournfang, obviously Mournfang as well. Does, is that still competitive? Oh yeah, definitely. It's that you've got, you've got a, the, the wound glove they got, the uh, changes to mount traits help that a lot. Thunder tusks are still a bit iffy. There may be a, a use for them. It's kind of hard. They may need a points drop to really fit in there. But Huskard's gaining priests, uh, the Stonehorn, because he wasn't before for whatever reason. So I think Frostlord getting his beef up, the monstrous rampages especially. So between the wounds bump, the rampages, the changes to mount traits, which there was gains and losses there. But I think overall it came out net good. And then there's still old trusty Kragnos to make sure you're getting where you're going. Bloody Craggy. And by the way, Noblas. <laughs> They're not bad. Not by, by the way, folks, if, you, if you're wondering about the rules that we're talking about, we will get into the rules very shortly. But Noblas, I looked at that and went, eh, may, maybe I will have a bunch of Noblas. Maybe there's something in the scrap launcher now. I'm like, this is not bad. Yeah. I was playing a test game uh, this last Saturday when, the, when you were doing your first uh, review show. And um, one set of Noblars, I was playing against a corn player, he charged two bloodthirsters to just try and clear off my screen because he couldn't get to him. Between the two Noblars, one bloodthirster took eight mortal wounds before he swung. The second one took six mortal wounds before he swung. And they also did three mortal wounds. <laughs> I, I know. I was trolling a little bit hot, but even still, just they're so good. Oh, hilarious. And what about the um, what about the ogre side, right? Because you've got the you know, like is is there now? They're not going to go five and zero. Oh. If you if you five and zero, oh, it's because you're a really good player and you played your list really well. 
But do you think ogres now are, are going to rise up competitive scene? You're going to see them more at tournaments and and doing well. Yeah, the the gutbuster side I think is going to do better. It's you're not you're not uh, like I was saying earlier. You're not pushing a boulder up a hill. Now you're kind of kicking a rock down a road. So it's you gain the rend, you gain uh, the damage, the loss of um, oh geez the tyrant slap to make stuff battleshock immune hurts a little bit but he's still okay um, but yeah it's definitely going to be way better gluttons are scary iron guts are very scary <laughs> iron guts can do so much work it's crazy um, yeah no that's going to be great is is there other any other units that you think have really had a glow up lately units that you didn't look into previously but you're like oh now it's worth considering adding them to my list uh knoblars i didn't i hated playing with knoblars before because i hated taking unit just to die now they can actually do something um i still feel kind of neutral on lead belchers they're random shots uh random shots for one damage is meh the but I'm definitely hype on Noblars. Gluttons, I've always loved Gluttons, so I've always tried to take them if I can. But uh, they're definitely, like, I'm pretty much, I think they're going to be a very strong contender after your necessities, almost. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool changes from, um, like, Linebreaker, for example. I love that ability on the, um, the Mournfang Cavalry making an opponent having to wound on a six mm -hmm. when it comes to like unleash hell and things like that. That's just spicy. Oh yeah. That made uh, my friend who was playing a uh, Zinch that I got to play him the other day. That made him quite, um, as I was talking about it after I charged the Morn thing in, he's uh, quite familiar with the rule now <laughs> decided uh, that turned that game of charging two Mornfang into nine flamers and an exalted that made the, him not even just bother shooting because it wasn't worth the time. <laughs> well, it's nice actually with Lumineff because Lumineff currently people are playing around with Helon, which gives you like an extra shooting attack if you're within six. So it does like some really nasty, mm -hmm. like you're seeing it with um, uh, what they call the beefer of secrets, the big um, battle cattle, but it's mm -hmm. a wonderful, like you're seeing Stormcast shooting, you're seeing a lot of shooting. I when I saw that line line breaker rule, I'm like, this is spicy. This is good. Oh yeah, no, that's going to be really nice for keeping the uh, keeping a little bit of shooting off your monsters and even your your um, your fat boys if you're sending them in first. What about what about the new blood help blood pelt hunter? Um, I know initially when people saw the sculpt, they were like, I hate the head. It seemed like the general consensus. People didn't like the strappy faced eye heads. But now that we've seen the war scroll, um, have you picked one up? Is it something that you're considering in a list? Like where do you stand with this blood pelt hunter? He, I feel he's kind of dependent on your meta a lot. I've I honestly didn't consider taking multiples of them at first. I've seen that discussion a little bit. Having having flat damage is nice, but he also hits on fours, which is really annoying. You can give him the trophy rack. He's got the movement shenanigans, so he, he may, but I'm not seeing 
I'm not placing him as high in my list of priorities quite yet as even just kind of like a firebelly almost. I think I'd like him better. Yeah, Unless, of course, I, we change quite... into another monster meta. <laughs> yes, that's the key. Like, it's like, uh, it's almost like the same as what I said in my Gargant show, the Beast Smasher. I'm like, I love the idea. If it was 12 months ago in the Monster General's Handbook, where there were lots of monsters and bonus VP, I'm all over it. But at the moment, people have gone in and kind of reduced their monsters, and they're often like hero monsters. They're on like a three-up save, easy to do, you know, Mystic Shield, all that defense, those types of things. So if you're going to build around it, there's that general trait that will go through, and you can kind of bring that down. But otherwise, you could do three or four of them, and you're playing weight of dice. You're playing like, right, some of them are going to hit, some of them aren't going to hit, but eventually I'm going to do enough damage to pull down those those brutal people. And I kind of agree with Triple H here. Is it's a cool sculpt. I love the idea, but I think honestly I would have rather a uh, an update to the Slaughter Master the Butcher or a new a new hero as opposed to a different type of new hero. Oh, definitely. I've got uh Thankfully, if you look around in certain places, you can find some nice-looking Ogre Butchers that end up almost coming out cheaper than the GW ones. <laughs> and they're not fine sculpt. Um, the, oh, yeah, the, look, there's a lot of cool things with the Ogres. I think what we need to do is bring up the rules. We're dancing around it constantly, and people are probably like, what on earth is going on? So how about we bring up the rules and we talk a little bit about your perspective? Um, so first things first, let's ignore more tribes for a second because we'll bring up the more tribes in, in much greater detail later on. But as we go through the allegiance abilities, if I'm someone who was either building a new list or someone who is, you know, trying to get the most competitively. Now, if you are a narrative gamer, you're a casual gamer, optimi uh, you know, optimizing your force is not the most important thing. You do you. That's cool. We're going to be a little bit more competitive in this kind of perspective. But when you look at these rules, let's go from the top. Might, might makes right. It, it allows you to have your ogres counting as two. So your generic ogres on foot are going to count as two, uh, while your heroes are going to count as five and your monsters are going to count as ten, basically. So you're going to increase the amount of models you count on as an objective. Do you like it? Is it something you build around? How do you leverage might makes right? I, it's an awesome rule. It is a ton of fun. I don't necessarily myself build around it, but I keep it in the front of my mind when in a game, because there, there are so many times where somebody will send like a, a little assassin something after your back lines and having, they'll have, be like unit of five, whatever. If you can pick off one single of that, that little five man assassin unit coming after your back line, your little ogre unit, ogre hero can just pop right on that corner, take it right back, and it's no fuss, no muss. It's a good rule. It's a nice to have, but it's not something you build around. The only thing you probably want to consider at the moment with this general's handbook is it kind of nullifies expert conquerors. Like, there's no real reason for you to be looking at the expert conquerors battalion, right? Yeah, no, there's don't have the bodies to make it work you can't make knoblars your expert conquerors which is the only time i'd really even consider that if you could do it for the knoblars but otherwise you're adding a whole one to your guys so your base unit you're getting an additional six guys it's just not worth keeping them out of other battalions which give you more yeah 
Yeah, and John, you know, like should Mighty and makes should Might makes right have applied to Yetis? Uh, I don't have an opinion on that. Um, obviously, this is only specifically to like your ogres. So, um, like your Yetis aren't going to get it. Your Noblars aren't going to get it. Your Frost Sabers aren't going to get it. Um, it's really just focused on that ogre more tribe ogre, ogre more tribe hero, or ogre more tribe monster. Yeah. Now, it's one thing I'm a little bit sad about Mace May Right is they, uh, I think it's been mentioned before, but Mornfang have still have two rules saying they count as two. <laughs> That's always kind of bummed me out that for whatever reason, don't stack, don't work like that, but whatever. It's, it's a bit weird. Um, one of the big changes, oh, sorry, not one of the big changes. Sorry, this is a, this is a standard change. I'm thinking, I'm trying to jump forward to a gulping bite. Um, you've got Ravenous Brute, so this hasn't changed, has it? So basically uh, your army is either eating or sorry, hungry or eating, so each unit depending on where they're at. So if they are within three inches of an enemy, they're eating and they get plus two to their bravery characteristic. If they're outside of three inches, they are um, hungry. Oh, hungry and they got plus two to their movement. So they're either getting plus two to move or they're getting plus two to bravery again building around it nice to have what's your thoughts it hasn't changed has it no it's exactly the same it's for me again it's just a uh, it's just a nice to have it's uh it is one thing that as i talked to a lot of new ogre players that they forget the bravery thing that's actually uh can make can make a big deal in games so that's one one of these rules that if you think about ogres to always keep this in the back of your head that pretty much all your foot ogres are move eight, uh, your big stone horns are move 14 and keeping those, those gluttons, those iron guts, uh, the gluttons of the banner are going up to bravery nine. So you got to kill for them before you're losing a guy. Same with the iron guts that can, that makes a big difference of losing just one guy out of your units. Yeah. Especially when those, those models are worth, four three five like like those types of units are worth a lot of wounds so for every point of bravery um especially there's a lot of things going around now shutting off inspiring presence so um that that just gives you another tool up your sleeve is it new archaeon that also now yeah. shuts off inspiring presence like that's this is a nice little counter yeah yeah, I think Arc jeez, I think it was Archeon is within twelve. There's that artifact also enslaves. Uh giants, ghosts. There's there's quite a few floating around. So it's Daughters of Daughters of Cain as, as well. Yeah, there's a lot more interaction of um of inspiring presence or shutting down inspiring presence. Um so that hasn't really changed. It's nice, but you're right. A lot of people need to think a little bit more about the bravery stuff. A lot of people, it's always about the movement, the movement, the movement, and it's easy to forget about the plus two to bravery. Um, trampling charge is another one that hasn't really changed, but uh, I know someone in the chat earlier asked earlier about Kragnos as well. So basically um, when you make a charge move, you can roll the number of dice equal to the unmodified charge roll. So if you get a plus two to your charge, that doesn't count. It's just you roll seven on that charge. You get to roll seven dice. On a six, it's a mortal wound. If you are a monster, you are on fours. 
And if you have more than three models in your, your unit, they're on fives. So like, let's say, for example, a unit of three man eaters, they would be doing models on a five. A tyrant hero would be doing it on a six. Um, a stone horn or a, a thunder tusk would be doing it on fours. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This is this is probably one of the main reasons people play ogres because it is so much fun to just go, just go, blubber blubber. Here I go. Your unit's dead. <laughs> but no, nah, this is this is what makes it fun. And the there's a few more rules kicking in now that are interacting with this. Unlike before, where it was just this is what it is. So having the bonuses that you get for uh, spells and clans and whatnot that come up later, uh, they change the rules here, and that makes it a lot more fun. Oh, man, the stuff, the amount of damage you can do out of the combat phase, because they're when people are considering lists, they're a lot of the time they're considering, I can take this much damage in, you know, the combat phase. But if you can, if you can just delete them with mortal wounds before combat, that throws a lot of people's plans just out the window and they can start to panic a little bit almost. Yeah, perfect example of this is um, I've been playing a lot of Fire Slayers lately against Fire Slayers, and they have an ability on those uh, Magma Drops where they splash back mortal wounds for each damage they take in combat. So when I charge, let's say, my Annihilators in and do a bunch of mortal wounds in the charge phase, it means they're not splashing back mortal wounds, and I can get around a lot of abilities before they throw up all that, all that attack or all that defense, or I can bracket somebody, I can clear screens trampling charge is so good and then i can still if it's a monster do a stomp i can still do other abilities in addition to the trampling charge craggy mm -hmm. kragnos makes you charge 3d6 do you think mm -hmm. it's worth adding a 700 point hero for craggy um to to maximize that trampling charge he Kragnos does Kragnos does give you a 3d6, but he also helps you in just doing what you want to do. Uh, for for certain types of lists, you want to be in combat. Because unless you're playing that that one combat, you want to get start smashing, and Kragnos helps you do the damage when you're getting there, and also just helps you be there, period, to do the damage. He he can Points are a little bit hard to finagle, but if you can make him work with the models you want him to work with, like a Frost Lord, and he's not a bad anvil by himself, he he is worth it if you're willing to play with those uh, those the little uh, the little amount of models you're going to be with because he costs he's a Frost Lord and a half almost uh, Frost Lord and two thirds really. So if you're willing to sacrifice frost lord and that cannons you're gonna be missing he can definitely pay dividends he can <laughs> take on half an army by himself half the time yeah craggy has a cracking weapon profile so his mace attacks does some serious damage uh if you charge into a monster he does a whole bunch of damage uh, is it common knowledge to call Kragnos craggy i do i do mostly because i run scragger up the loon king so i run scraggy and craggy it's the greatest tag team since um, Macho Man and, and Hulk Hogan. 
that like he, he does you know great damage on the charge he does great damage with the um with the the mace he's a two up save eight uh, 18 wounds on a six up ward as well so it's yeah yes it's two up with a six up as well so he does like you know he, he can be quite durable but he's not invincible so it is 700 points yeah and he, as you said he suffers it's, from it's the cost of two frost apologies yeah just about he he the fun thing that he's good at is he has an amazing armor but not a lot of wounds where foot ogres have a lot of wounds but not a lot of armor so he's actually kind of kind of a nice synergy there if you can get him in the right targets and vice versa Before we get into gulping bite, because I love I love this change. It's so good. Like when I I freaked out for a second because I I went through the war scrolls and I'm like, right, they've all lost this gulping bite. What's going on? What's going on? Then I went to the allegiance ability, um, and I'm like, holy shit, this is um, pretty amazing. Um, I really like it. Before before we get into that, um, Nick asked an interesting question that you know it's not all peaches and roses here on on the stream. Um, Nick asking. Is there any misses you think? What are your top three misses when it comes to the book? Um, Jacob mentioning um, the price of Mornfang, so I assume the points we're talking about here, not the dollars. Um, the gut buster durability and no foot priests. Do you have anything you'd add or um, anything that you think were missed opportunities in this book? Uh, the random attacks on both lead belchers and stonehorns, having random attacks for the shooting is i've always found that just annoying and also having random attacks for random damage on the stone horns i can deal with one but two can wear you kind of thin after a while so i'd always i was kind of hoping they'd give them a more solid profile and also the punches and kicks i was thinking those were gonna maybe get rolled into something but those are super minor i'm overall like i've been saying super pleased with what we got points are points are kind of tough with but i'm kind of noticing the more i play with points overall that there are kind of feels like bricks of points where you can you can shift one or two things get that extra thing in there there's a lot more i feel like playability and shifting this for that vice versa uh overall with the new with how it's working yeah i'd probably agree with bartek over here talking about the the, the, the little to no interaction that mornfang get with uh, Might Makes Right and uh, mm. Trampling Charge, um, given that they are units of two where you need the bonus to get to, to three or more. So uh, I, I tend to agree, you know, Mornfang are a great unit, something that I want to see more of. And yeah, they get Line Breaker, but outside of that, like they're like in this weird middle ground of not a Stonehorn or a Thunder Task, not a Foot Ogre. Bit of this, bit of that. Yeah. And also that weird pistol profile i wish that would have been either something worth remembering or <laughs> a single random shot from the boss it's always first thing to go when you're getting overwhelmed <laughs> yeah just don't worry about it but something you will worry about is gulping bite um so now in the past each of your ogre war scrolls used to have like this stupid pro was it fives and fives or something like it was a weird why bother type profile it was now Go on. Sorry, it was uh, it was one attack per guy, threes and threes, no rend one, just not even inconsequential damage. Uh, but this is so much better. 
Yeah, so you just do you so basically at the end of the combat phase, uh, you get to roll a dice for each unit, uh, within three, so roll a dice for each enemy unit within three inches of a friendly ogre unit, uh, gut buster specifically, and on a four plus, it's d3 mortal wounds, so it's just flat, flat d3, which I think you know, three threes, no rend for one, like you go through the sequence, and you know, not a lot's going to happen, yeah, yeah, no, this that before was ter- terrible. Uh, this one I'm a little bit weirded out by for whatever reason that man eaters don't bite. I thought think that's a little bit weird because man eaters for whatever reason don't have gut busters, and also a little bit weird that iron blasters can bite. But this is a fun rule. I, I this this is gonna do if you can get like one or two, you know, that last unit of iron guts or gut busters in the right spot, you can do so much with this. It's gonna be so much fun to see people freaking out because that little hero that was just at the tip of tip of range gets bitten out dies oh it's gonna be fun yeah no i dig it it might help you leading into battle shock it could uh be that that last wound to kill down a hero or bracket something or just generally be a pain it might get you the objective who knows right like it's it's a nice little ability uh and being mortal wounds now just is a faster sequence than three threes no rend for for one Hopefully, man eaters get uh, like a, an FAQ, right? Hopefully, they get the keyword of gut busters. Yeah. Yeah, that would fix some stuff. But we'll see. Man eaters are in an awkward spot. Yeah, they are. It's uh, funnily enough that one of the units that I really love, and if I ever played ogres, I think I definitely want man eaters. I just love their sculpts. I just think they are dumb, but mm-hmm. dumb in a good way, like a fun way. Oh yeah, no, I got I got twelve of them sitting here in my cabinet behind me. I love them too, but I ah can only take them to fun games. Sadly. Speaking of fun, you've also got Grasp of the Everwinter. So you basically correct me if I'm wrong. The way this works, right? So you basically roll a dice, and if it's under the battle round, it's a mortal wound. So on on turn one, you can't do any mortal wounds. But as the game kind of progresses, it gets easier and easier to do a couple of chip mortal wounds yeah this one it's it's nice to remember easily forgotten because you have to be in combat at the start of your hero phase and you do just a couple chip mortal wounds so it it's good to remember but not again it's just a passive thing that happens passive thing it happens passively as long as you remember <laughs> I find it comes into play around turn three, maybe turn four. Turn two, it's you know it's it's pretty rare you're gonna roll a one, um, you know a two up, and as you said, you got to be in combat. It might incentivize you in turn one to use that plus two movement to charge earlier on, um, but you know turn three, turn four, you might turn five. There's not going to be a lot of things left on the table, so being in combat is going to get harder and harder, or being within three. But it is nice to have a couple of cheek, cheeky mortal wounds, if you remember. Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's... The lot. Go on, sorry. I wish, I wish it worked like the bites, but yeah. Apologies. <laughs> and then finally, uh, when it comes to your allegiance abilities, this is the one that I'm excited to talk about. Specifically, this is going to cause nightmares to your opponent. This is going to be I gotcha, but not in a bad way. It's like, how the hell did you do that? I've never seen anything like this. 
So let's do th let's do Thunder Tusk first. Well, let's save the best to last. So Thunder Tusk uh, is a monstrous <laughs> rampage. So instead of carrying out Raw, Stomp, Titanic, Jewel, your Thunder Tusk can carry out Chill of the Everwinter. So um, after it makes a charge move, so it has to have charged, right? Um, on a roll of dice, uh, for each enemy unit within one inch, on a three up, it strikes last. So it's nice. Yeah, it has a little bit of synergy. It can help protect your, as we mentioned, like kind of squishy foot boys from getting slapped around before they get their turn to attack if you're multi-charging. The only problem with this is it's a Thunder Tusk, which Thunder Tusks are not in a great spot, sadly. This kind of makes you halfway consider them, but I'm not thinking it's just not happening. <laughs> So are you thinking about it primarily as support? Because, like, your Thunder Tusk is never the first line of attack. Like, it's always a second wave or a supporting piece. Um, it's never your primary. And it's normally people take the Priest, right? Like, most people take the, uh, the Husk Guard on Thunder Tusk. Yep. There, I, there is kind of a thought, um, due to the mount traits, of taking a Frost Lord on Thunder Tusk, having him be a somewhat anvil, but he the amount of damage you lose going from a huskar or excuse me a thunder tusk to a stonehorn and what you gain is just not there and the points difference between the two is not worth that at all no nah, it's, it's like a hard two it's more a wounds hard, unless we go into sorry about that yeah, apologies, yeah, folks, if we're having internet trouble. I've got I've got a massive thunderstorm happening at the moment, so it's probably on my side. Apologies if we happen to be talking over each other. I'm trying to trying to manage this the best we can. Go on, Jacob. All right. um, the Beast Riders. Um, the only time this would be good is if we end up in a meta. I think where we have lots of stuff like. Brutes, Ard Boys, um, possibly even the, um, if the Lumineth, uh, people want to call them Cowboys, whatever those little foot elf cow things are, um, with the stupid hats. If we end up in a meta of not very fast, pretty beefy amount of numbers, ones you don't really want to get in melee with because of the shot that Thunder Tusks have, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. No, that's it, it, it. Look, it's nice to have. Um, if I was running a Thunder Tusk, whether it's a priest, a beast rider, or a, a stone, uh, not a stone, a stone horn on Thunder Tusk, a, a frost lord on a Tusk. <laughs> if I'm running one of those, like I guess it's situational. It's nice on a three up, but do I want a raw? Do I want a stomp? Do I want a Titanic Jewel? I guess it's situationally dependent, right? It's just like it's decent, but does it override the others? Question mark. The other one, yep. the other one, Jacob, Jacob, unstoppable charger, right? <laughs> you're going to, you're going to help, you're going to help break this down because if people are listening to this and they're not ogre players, you need to know about this rule. You need to understand this because it is going to get you and it's going to hurt and your bum is going to be sore and you're going to ask what the hell just happened. So unstoppable charge, stonehorn only, it must have made a charge in the same turn so it can't happen when you're in the grind of combat it is purely only when you charge now 
Stonehorn is charged. You do trampling charge, couple of mortal wounds, happy days. You use this unstoppable charge monstrous rampage, and it immediately gets to move 3d6 and essentially fly. Now, at the end of the move, each unit you've passed on a two-up is as D3 mortal wounds. Now, pull this back for me, Jacob. When do you use it? How do you use it? What do I need to know as an opponent so I don't have this really bad situation? Because I think it's going to catch a lot of people out, and it's going to be this feel-bad moment. And you, it's going to take at least one, one of these, and you, you're going to go, right, this is what it does. Talk to me through Unstoppable Charge. So I I've I try and always mention to people what I do, the, the fun things like this at the beginning of game. So this one, <laughs> yeah, must, known as Butthurt. That's about right. Um, this is essentially like a stop, a redeploy, and essentially almost a charge all at once. It would be the time people are going to still try and keep screening you out. Um, so what they're going to, uh, what you can do with this is it lets you get to better engagements because you don't really want your big monsters fighting in the the chat screen really. Um, so you're gonna, you can use it. Your average on three six is ten eleven something like that, and you're going to try and get in. You can get into those back little squishy heroes, them little buff heroes. Um, I had a, a game the other day where I rolled kind of hot uh, playing against a beast of chaos. I charged over his chaff, over his heroes, got right next to his uh, herdstone, was able to take out his little chaff screen and his heroes defending his herdstone. And it's just, it's so much fun. It does so much. And it makes your opponent really think about their positioning to try and defend against you. It is so good. <laughs> Almost makes uh, yeah. Frost Lord even more necessary than average. Oh, the frost load becomes an absolute tank. And what, you, what you're going to see very soon is there is an ability to get two monstrous rampages. So if you wanted to use unstoppable charge and then stomp titanic jewels, smash to rubble, whatever it is, there is that ability too, uh, if you want to customize that way. And we called it butt hurt. We called it feel bad. It's not that you are like doing an I gotcha moment. It's just such a very unique rule that I think is going to catch people out the first time. And they go, holy shit, how, I, I can't believe you did that. How did you do that? How do I protect myself? And I think the key for this going off successfully is not charging up the middle of the board. Like you want to like slingshot and find a flank. You want to find a way because you do have a big ass base. Your base is massive. And as um, Jacob's already said, the average for a 3D6 charge is a 10. So if you did a 3D6, you've got to factor in the back of your base. But if you can tag on the side either way and then like slingshot around the back using fly, um, you're going to get yourself in a really good position. But if you try to jump screens and things like that with a bad roll, I think you're going to find um, you're going to block yourself off or you're not going to make the most of that rule. Jacob, agree, disagree, any additional thoughts? Agreed, definitely. There is uh, one, one little thing that if you're getting a bad roll, um if you like say like i've done a few times and you get that like three or four you can tag like just touch the front of their front of their base or front base of their screen right there back up to that 2.9 and just make their piling into you that much more awkward cause coherency issues and whatnot make them think about that 
but there's there's so much utility in this getting where they don't want you making them spend more bodies to try and screen you out giving you more free reign of the board just because the threat of this and what you can do it's amazing yeah, I think Eric's nailed it here. Unstoppable charge feels like a faction-defining rule in it, with its unique and potential impacts. You know, being able to slingshot off a unit and get onto an objective where you normally couldn't get onto an objective, to move around shaft screens and get into that squishy hero, that synergistic piece in the backfield, um, pull down their general, uh, get into where their faction terrain is and destroy their faction terrain, whatever it might be. There's a lot of intergame mechanic when it comes to unflappable charge that if, even if I was a gut buster, I feel like I would have at least one stone horn in my list for this rule. Like it's such a good rule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this, this is amazing. Probably it and trampling charge are probably going to wait between that might makes right and trampling charge are going to be what makes ogres ogre players the good ones and the and the wheat from the chaff really yeah i just can't wait to colossal slam your stonehorn i my gargans are going to take you to suplex city <laughs> <laughs> so you've got a couple of command traits you've got your gust busters you've got your beast claw raiders i'm not going to read these out i'm going to assume <laughs> that you, that'll be fun you, actually think about Sorry about that. <laughs> no, please go on. Uh, so apologies, a uh, little bit of lag there. For these, um, I think it was Halo that said it earlier that it's really cool that they gave you um, one really good trait to take for each of these. <laughs> the, uh, the Let's see, the Gastromancer... If I was playing Blood Gullet, which I really think would be fun because the Ogre spells are really good. All of them are really impactful and do a lot. Um, that one could be fun to use, but really, if you're taking a Gutbuster hero um, trait, you're probably looking at Killer Reputation. Ex-Mercenary is a ton of fun. I feel like I said, like me and Coach were saying earlier, that... Um, Man eaters are a ton of fun, but they're just not quite up to snuff right now. So if you're if you're making your general a gutbuster, it's probably going to be killer reputation, making him a little tiny fat stone horn with his three up save and his five up ward. Um, as for beast claw, there are actually two choices I'm really excited about. Voice of the Avalanche seems like it could have a lot of uh, a lot of play with uh, playing each of your pieces kind of as individual little little units because for uh for whatever reason you don't have uh elites on your stonehorn riders which is annoying to say the least also having if you're doing stuff like trying to do unleash hell with a cannon that's out on its own stuff like that like they sniped off your little butcher supporting the cannon but having touched by the everwinter giving your uh frost lords a prayer is awesome having the the prayer lore is two out of three are really, really good. Plus three move is amazing. Plus uh, doing the, the hailstorm, not super reliable, but in, in the right situations, it can do some nice chip mortal wounds, which with as much chip as we have, add up a lot. And then uh, also there's also heal, which can do a lot for us as well with how beefy stonehorns are. Yeah, and even like if you want to go into curse range as well, given that you are going to be in combat, if you want to be able to 
to seek that out as a generic universal prayer. It's also also worth considering. I I do like the priest keyword, but I want to loop back for a second. Two things. Question from the chat. I think it's a good one worth asking. Uh, Flamingo Pie asking, uh, is it worth taking a Stonehorn Thunder Tusk Beast Rider if you can't fit a hero version in your list? A Stonehorn Beast Rider can have some play. If you don't have any other Stonehorns and you can't get a Frost or a Huskard in there, then a Stonehorn beaters are are not. You can you would be much much better served taking Gluttons or Iron Guts as they cost the same, and they do way more damage, way more threatening, and the Gutbusters or the excuse me the Gluttons actually count for more on objectives for a full unit. So it's not even yeah. The other one that I wanted to loop back on was Deadly Aim. Now, we talked a little bit about the Blood Pelt Hunter, and it's got some play. I think one of the things holding it back is the fact that it has to, it hits on a four. Is it worth making your Blood Pelt Hunter your general and going for Deadly Aim, getting it the, the hit characteristic of two instead of four? Um, so I guess it's a free all out defense, all out attack plus one. But uh, it also means you could probably run multiple. So you could have two Blood Pelt Hunters, one in a two up, one using all that attack to get it down to a three up. And if it hits that monster, the what the spear is, uh, what, three damage, the, the other one's six damage. So uh, if they go through, it can be brutal. Yeah. it's I'm not as sold on this just because he's only ran one with the crossbow and it's only two shots and there's only one shot on the the harpoon he's got which again it's when a single shots just are never worth it the two shots are only d3 three that's i there may be some play about um putting him giving him your trophy rack and having him hide as a general maybe doing this in like small games where you can't physically fit a uh a tyrant or a butcher, or you just don't want to take the ugly butcher sculpt even, but I just don't see it right now. Again, kind of meta dependent, but we don't see enough monsters. We see one monster and that monster is usually tough as nails and this ain't going to serve you well enough. Yeah. That's my concern. You know, a lot of monsters running around with two up three ups, like sure. If your meta is full of cockatrice and the mind stealer kitty cats and all of these other you know, five up, four up, six up type monsters. Yeah, but they're not the ones terrorizing. It's the two up, three ups, 16 wounds. It's the things that are likely not to go through. So it's a good idea, I think, deadly aim, but I probably, yes, John, I agree. I think I think um, I agree with you 100%. I love the fact that the Blood Pelt Hunter can move in your enemy's turn if it's outside of nine inches of the unit. I love that. But would I overinvest making my command trait and making the Blood Pelt Hunter my general, I feel like I'm wasting resources uh, if I'm trying to optimize my build. Hmm. Um, yeah, but you know, yes, it, it does. You know, it does help with some of the the tactics. But remember, there's a new General's Handbook coming pretty soon. So I guess let's see what the new meta is. If it goes back into a monster meta, awesome. If we go into infantry, then probably not. <laughs> Actual. Infantry, GHB, right? <laughs> <laughs> Take two. Try again. Try again. 
but yeah, I do love the I do love the ability. I, I love that there's a couple of other abilities, like even the fro uh, the uh, the kitty cats, the um, the frost sabers. Um, when they're on terrain, you can't see them; they can't be targeted. I think there's some really great play there as well. Oh yeah, there there's definitely a trick there. It's the eighty the eighty points for six wounds. And a, a five bravery, I think it was. That's that's kind of painful. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're definitely not very good, but there's some interesting tricks in there. Um, what do you think are some of the best choices from the artifacts? Uh, both you obviously your gut busters, your beast claw, and then you got your mount traits. Do you have any favorites that kind of spring to you? Um, for the Gutbusters, the Gruesome Trophy Rack, I'm pretty sure you're going to be seeing that pretty much every list almost, having uh, because it's the plus one to hit against Heroes and Monsters, putting your stuff either from fours to threes uh, for the shots and whatnot, or from two, uh, threes to twos for pretty much all your melee profiles. That's that's so nice. It's going to make whatever hero is holding it a priority target for your opponent almost. You can use that to your advantage, kind of baiting them, trying to make them position to get into him. But the Gruesome Trophy Rack is by far and above for me the top. I I love Splatter Cleaver. I'm so sad that they made it to be Gutbuster only. I loved having that on my Frost Lord all the time. That was, oh, I love that so much. Make him a little beefier. And I think the Flask of Stonehorn Blood. Um, Halo was talking about having that uh, uh, before for your uh, Blubber Grub Butcher, which I I honestly hadn't considered that yet, but I like that idea a lot for that one phase when they're trying to get in and do him do him dirty. But uh, Thingagur, I don't think is going to do it because you're rocking a whole two attacks on him, which again is just lack of attacks. It's random damage. Procs on a six for the actual good damage. Only if you're targeting a hero monster, nada. And for the Beast Claw, Frost Talon Shard Bolts is that's just terrible. <laughs> that affects a whole one attack from one guy at short range. Just terrible. Uh, the flank, uh, the move an extra two. They're already pretty fast. They got the the six inch pylon i don't think if you're even if you're playing with the 80s the cavalox flank's gonna do you a lot of good the elixir the frost worm if you're having fun if you're like out of ideas you've already got you know you're taking like double warlord or whatever you got three artifacts that one maybe i could see it to try and snipe out a back hero but the seat of alvagar is the one i'm more interested for the beast claw having especially combined with our redeployment essentially redeploy after charge uh for the stone horn so you can get to more juicy targets uh being able to do a smash down on like a luminous temple or a seraphon temple or a beast claw hearthstone uh beast uh beast men hearthstone excuse me uh is really impactful uh being able to trample over a hero, then try and stomp it to death. If it's that one of them little buffy heroes, that can do a lot of good. I think there's some play for seat, but it is going to play second fiddle to a gruesome trophy rack. Yep, keep going. Oh, uh, then for the uh, for the mount traits, um, rock main elder, that's going to be always again, first uh, 
first pick that's just minus one to wound is so powerful. Makes all your opponent's head math go off when they're trying to take down your already three up save, five up ward hero. Uh, just sets their math off in their head off so much. Belligerent Charger, I don't really see a need a need for that. If you're rolling less than seven, you're already not really... You're not doing it for the mortals, really. Metal Cruncher, I can see that as uh, like a second choice to help with uh, Slaves, Stormcast, Archeons, Bastilodons, etc., etc. Losing the, the four up from a four, but getting the one up, it, it hurt more than it helped, but it was kind of necessary. I don't know if I'd say necessary, but at least it's still there. At least it's still an option. It didn't just go all the way away. Um, and then for Thunder Tusks, I'd probably won't see these much matriarch you're never going to see because you never charge your thunder tusks um well really ever <laughs> the rhyme frost hide if you ever take a thunder tusk hero that's the one you're going to be picking because given making a, a thunder tusk a pseudo stonehorn that's that's just going to carry its weight in gold um flesh greed it's if your if your thunder tusk is in combat it's probably dead <laughs> healing d3 to a dead unit don't do much yeah i, th I think one, one thing i just want to call out just really quickly on the gut buster and this kind of got missed um by a few people is that gruesome trophy rack is not for melee it's for everything so it's plus one to hit rolls for attacks made by gut buster units so you can use it with your iron blasters you can use it with your tire your um tyrants your gluttons your um all, all your trips right so um don't sleep on it i think again that's kind of what increases the value of the group gruesome trophy rack especially with t people taking two three i mean four four cannons is a bit over overkill um but the gruesome trophy rack is just so good hmm. free all attack everywhere if you're targeting a hero monster it's so worth it yeah um where is the gut plate of gur i don't know i think you just have to wear it to your next event get, build a gut plate um there were a couple of artifacts missing and they've kind of streamlined things um but you know i think uh, I, I don't we don't have any 1000 point list for you um uh, but if you want to jump onto discord we definitely um link down below in the episode um you will find that we are a very hungry community who are building lists i think if you're on the Beast Claw Raider side, building a thousand point list is very easy. It's like two monsters, the end. Or uh, maybe two two monsters and some Mournfang, the end. Um, your gut busters, I guess it depends on like, you know, you want to have a couple of gluttons, you want to have a butcher or a slaughter master, um, maybe some noblars, some chaff. I'm not anything. <laughs> I mean, they're good. Noblars are good for what a hundred points for twenty wounds. Mm. They're such good objective oh, yeah. controllers, board deniers. They're just so stupid. And then obviously the um, the ability they've got, where if you what is it a move, a pile in, a retreat? Like if there's any move action on a four up, they do D three mortal wounds. So um, as you mentioned, the bloodthirst are taking eight mortal wounds before it struck. Um, that's brilliant. Oh yeah, no, noblars are great. 
And I tend to agree the five up ward on the Thunder Tusk is good if you are going to go that way. But I think, you know, from what we're seeing so far, it's all about the stone horns, but also even um, there's some good choices if you're on the Gutbuster side. And I agree with you with the seat of Alvagar was probably my favorite of the, the Beast Claw Raiders. Um, Jacob, let's, let's talk spells. Let's talk spells and prayers. Any, any of your favorites kind of coming up here? Um, all of these are, are, are really good. Molten entrails is hilarious. Um, hilariously strong. It is crazy. That's got a casting value of six, uh, making your iron blasters and your, um, Oh, excuse me, not iron, uh, Molten Entrails, Blubber Grub. That's what I was trying to say. Blubber Grub, making the Iron Blasters and the Scrap Launchers count as monsters for charging, which is what it did before. But now they've added in, they count as monsters, counting as 10. And also they can Ooh. do uh, monsters rampages. That's insane. Having, being able to have your Stonehorn do his little shenanigans, charging in with your, thund uh, excuse me, your, Iron Blasters to do the roar, so it's not taxed off your uh, Stonehorn. Having them do a stomp in addition, that can add up so much. Also, it's kind of hilarious to have a cannon charge a piece of terrain and smash it to rubble, but <laughs> uh, Blood Feast, it's, it's simple, but the amount of strength you get for having um, plus one attack on your Iron Guts, your Gluttons, is that's, 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 that's a lot of damage. Um, especially and your iron, iron guts, guts got your iron guts got ren two now, so ren two plus one attack. They are they are very nasty. It fight twice. That's essentially plus two attacks on them, really. If you consider that um, molten entrails, that's a it's a good solid spell just to give you additional damage. Make your stone horns make get that little bit extra damage. Make sure that risky charge you did that that darn little hero doesn't survive with one wound or something like that and greasy deluge giving minus one attack to a target it's it's not bad it's not hot, super high on my priority list but it's a definitely good defensive uh defensive one making their uh that one big hitty thing trying to keep your stone horn safe for make sure your chaff wall survives for that one round so you can get into better positions so how would you rank them? If you, uh, then if going you for the fire bellies. You, before fire bellies, um, how would you rank the the butcher ones? Like if you only had one or two spells, what are your what are your first ones you would choose? Um, it kind of depends on the list you're building. Building if if you're building for foot ogres, definitely blood feast greasy. If you're building for if you have any iron blasters, like if you have one, I'm I still think I would take. Blubber grub, just because the charge, the damage, the impacts that makes a huge difference. Um, if you're building for monsters and you don't have any um, iron blasters, then I would go for molten and greasy. Uh, so I'd say, in order of priority, blubber grub, then uh, molten slash blood feast. If you're gut busters heavy, monster heavy, and then after that, greasy as a not kind of nice side. Um, one other thing I'd also put in your mind if you're thinking about this is levitate. Ha giving your stone horns fly normally or making flying iron guts 
is hilarious to imagine and also extremely effective for increasing their mobility. <laughs> and hard to cast, but if it goes off, it is scary. It's also one of the reasons that you might not take Noblars because it's super easy to chaff yourself up and you know you move trying to move around. But if you can fly over those screens of Noblars, you're laughing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're at the fire bellies. Um, so moving on to the fire belly then. All right. Um, billowing ash, that's probably going to be your standard if you have one fire belly because it's essentially greasy deluge on steroids, uh, having minus one to hit for all of your stuff within 12 of him, having him hide inside your uh, mop pot, giving him some cover, maybe look out, sir, giving, uh, and then having everything yours you're trying to defend, your nice center core, minus one to hit. You're, you're just kind of pretend like you're a Lumineth sitting there, peppering away with your minus one to hit. Uh, then we got Tongues of Flame. I could see this uh, being incredibly useful in a couple situations, but I don't know if it comes up enough to really uh, warrant it. Tongues of Flame would be incredibly deadly against stuff like um, Nighthaunt, who want to retreat and charge every turn. It would be great against Skaven, who want to have their chaff moving all the way, getting in your way, retreating out, charging in. Um, a couple other situations, perhaps Stormcast, because, but they're very, very few times are they more than five models, but ha having those, those couple little liberators or whatnot they got that are five, making them take that D3 every, and it also stack with Noblars, because it would be move within six, D3, D3. Charge, D3, D3. That could, that could be a bit of a deterrent. It's 18, so you got to be kind of close. I don't know if Spell Portal's worth it, really, for Ogres. It's it's good, but i got to play around with it more to see. Nah. Um, Fiery Whirlwind, it's nice, but we don't have a hard time killing Chaff. That's one of our specialties, so adding, putting a hat on a hat doesn't really do a lot. No. Um, question from the chat. I think I think this is an easy answer. I was I was just rereading the rules. Can you turn an iron blaster into a monster and then use monster uh, molten entrails? The answer, correct me if I'm wrong, is no, because you're not turning the blubber blubber grub stench is not turning him into a monster. It's just treating the monster, treating them as monster for trampling charge. That won't work, will it? Yeah. No, you're correct. It wouldn't. It wouldn't work. There is um, one question. Well, one kind of FAQ, I guess. Uh, um, for blubber grub is because the iron blasters are considered. What is the wording? Treated as monsters for the purposes of carrying out monster rampages. So does that mean, mm. as say a gargant, they can flip my iron blaster, or does it count only for me carrying them out, or does that count for monster actions being carried out on them. That's a question I got for the FAQ. I could see it both ways. Yeah, it's got to see on the FAQ, really. Because making them stop immune could be kind of nice. Go ahead. I would rule it. I would rule it as, at the moment, because it doesn't say you carrying out monstrous rampages. It's just open. I imagine it opens up the floor for both of us doing monstrous rampages to the Iron Blaster. But... Definitely, I can see that um, an FAQ clarity definitely is required there. Yeah. 
What about your priest? What about Actually, your, your Beast Core Raider priests? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what, what about your Beast Core Raider priests? Um, the priests are, because of the uh, priest, um, that is uh, opening these up a lot. Um, Call of the Blizzards is probably not going to get seen with Yetis and Frost Sabers as they are now. If you're taking two of them, you're not spending a prayer to try and uh, bring them, bring one back. It's just not worth it. Keening Gale is really interesting. Um, if you're playing like a Kragnos list, and this is one that also may need an FAQ, um, because it gives you just plus three to your move for a friendly monster or Mornfang pack. So that's putting Mornfang up to move 14, and your Stonehorns at full bracket up to a 17-inch move. Uh, that's, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's getting pretty darn fast there when you're approaching 20 inch move per move. <laughs> Thunderbellies well, yeah, also, yeah. if you're auto six in the Thunderbellies, putting, sorry about that. I, I was just going to, no, no, no. I was just going to say, it's just the lag between our countries at the moment. Just again, I've got a really heavy apocalyptic storm happening outside um but with the uh, with i guess just for the for the folks at home um where keening gal becomes powerful is it means you get to re reduce the amount of risk of failing that charge right is going to give you more opportunity to get where you need to be to cap that objective to to um especially like as you mentioned is it um the so the beast riders they're not elite so they can't issue their own commands right so you don't have the luxury of being able to well, I mean, unless you obviously had the the issue commands from anywhere, um, it, it de-risks that situation. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of curious because it, the previous instance of this had Ogre Monster. They removed the Ogre caveat from the monster part. Yeah, and just like Romulan Dog said here, having plus three move on Kragnos, it's... That's one, uh, again, I'd have an FAQ on because of the whole Kragnos can't be affected by um, allegiance abilities. Is a prayer an allegiance ability? Mm. No, I think, uh, I think, I think he, should, he should be able to get a Keening Gale. I, 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 I wouldn't see why he wouldn't be able to get Keening Gale. Yeah. So having putting Kragnos up to 13-inch move, a 30% increase on him, making him even more it, getting in your face. Uh um, keeping him just one inch slower than your base stone horns, making him also more likely to get those charges, keep his aura up further. Um, Keating Gale is really nice. I, mm. At the moment, I'm kind of uh, partial to Pulverizing Hailstone, Hailstorm since it got uh, better on both the prayer value and the uh, damage, uh, the two up instead of a three up like it used to be. Uh, just because people tend to, when they're, when they're kind of coming up to you, uh, with their shooting units and whatnot, they've usually got a hero nearby to issue orders and whatnot. So being able to peck a few mortals, and this is just adding on that, that pecking damage that can add up real heavy, peck a few mortals at that shooting unit, peck a few mortals at that um, that little hero here holding in the back, and it's it's a whole, uh, pick a spot at 18, and then within three inches of that. So if you've got a little hero or a little shooting unit within 21 of you, that's a, to do D3 mortals. That's a, that's a whole long strike. If you roll average, that's a, not a lot, but it adds up and it's AOE. Also, uh, there's also heal, which is just going back around to making your stone horns live longer, do more damage. 
it can add up again. Mopot, heal, uh, Winter's Endurance, 3d3 healing on your Stonehorn, bring them right back up. Yeah, especially because you can't heal with heroic recovery in, in combat. So how do you heal and try to grind out your opponent? Use the the heal prayer. Um, that's a really good call. That's a really good call. But uh, I, I'd probably agree with you, Pulverizing Hailstorm and Keening Gale. Pulverizing Hailstorm, especially in the early game where armies are clustered up and you are getting the return of castles, Lumineth, Seraphon, uh, Zinch, for example. They're all castling up at the moment. Um, great for that area of effect damage. Cool. How are we going with the internet team? Can everyone hear me? Am I okay? Sorry, again, I've got really bad internet right now. Yeah. There we go. I see you. Cool, Jacob. Real good. We're all good now? All right. I think cool. so. All right. I was just I was just saying that I agree with you on pulverizing Hailstorm and Kinney Gale, especially with a lot of castle armies like Zinch, Seraphon, Lumineth, all castling up at the moment. Getting that area of effect damage um, works really well for them. Yep. Cool. It's it's I think it'll pay off in the end. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and it's a prayer, right? So they can't they can't counter it. It's not like a spell. Um, where do you stand with the more tribes? Do you think they all they are all they're all good? Or do you think there are some that are stronger than others right now? Uh, for for this, um, we got five out of eh, four out of six really good choices. One that's a little bit questionable, and one that I don't think you'll ever see really. Um, Winterbite is it's that's pretty strong to be just uh types of units can't be seen outside of 12 uh like the uh, cruel boys have but yours are specified on your hunters frost savers and yetis which you're not gonna see so i don't think you're gonna see Winterbite much unless we go into a full shooting meta with the next ghb being minus one to hit for everything in your um zone might maybe we'll see uh thunderbellies is the one a step above um, having run and charge on your Mornfang, putting them up to anywhere from uh, 12 inch to 17 inch move with a run, you lose the pistol shot, but that ain't worth much anyways. So that one, if you're running like uh, what 12, 15 Mornfang, or excuse me, 14 Mornfangs, just a whole bunch of them to get them everywhere, that could do something. But I think we're gonna see uh, Blood Gullet's probably also in that not quite ideal. Our spell, our spell orders are good, and you're essentially getting 100% additional spells. Eh, I don't think we're able to lean into it. The max you can get is a plus one bonus, only if you're near the pot. I love it. It's my favorite, but probably not going to be, at the moment, our best. Um, Meat Fist has some really <laughs> kind of crazy combos it can do. Kind of little Timmy combos between the Tyrant with the uh, Brawler Guts name, Kragnos, just having MSU gluttons and iron guts running around doing uh, mortals on a four up acting like they're monsters at their base size, having the iron blasters. If you get the blubber grub and um, 
have them charging in, doing mortals on a three up. Same with the tyrant with his big name, doing them on a three up. That could add up really quick. Um, sadly, stuff like man eaters we were saying before don't get it. So, meh. Um, Boulderhead and Underguts, I think, are going to be our best ones for the moment. Um, if you're doing any amount of shooting with Iron Blasters, having Underguts is probably going to be our best bet. Having Ren 3 on the Cannonballs and almost more importantly, Ren 2 on the Shotgun Shot is going to do so much, so much for you. You got to keep them safe, but when they hit, they're going to tank stuff. It's crazy how effective they they from where they used to be to where they are now. Um, and Boulderhead, if you're doing that, um, that craggy Frost Lord or even just two, two, three Frost Lords and Beast Riders combo, Boulderhead's going to be where it's be at. Make sure you got that, um, that stone, uh, uh, the minus one to wound traits, the metal cruncher traits, and then probably not anything else after that, realistically. <laughs> Yeah, Boulderhead's hot. Boulderhead is absolutely hot. If you're, and it's always been hot. Like it's always you're getting your Stone Orange, your Thunder Tusks. You know, getting them have plus two wound characteristic is just great. It's the Lofnir of Beast Claw Raiders. Um, but at the same time, getting three three uh, enhancements. You know, getting three mount traits is always going to be helpful because it means you could take Warlord or another battalion to get spells or prayers or something else or even you know look to reduce your drop so it gives you a lot of flexibility while the underguts especially as we've talked about iron blasters or even like lead belchers one of the glow ups that lead belchers had was they went from range 12 to range 18 so i think they're a little bit more viable now than they have been so underguts is definitely a good option um before we kind of continue i just want to give a massive shout out to the wa thank you for your donation thank you for filling the more pot uh it's greatly appreciated thank you for that uh but we also had a, a good question actually because i really like man eaters but there's not a lot of synergistic things happening here so hello world asking a good question is is there a particular tribe that you would run your man eaters given that they currently don't have the gut buster keywords so they kind of don't quite fit into any of these ones when it comes to like getting some abilities. If that's kind of a hard one because, because they don't synergize for anything, they don't give you, they, they have no reason to take one over the other. So it would honestly depend if you're taking um, man eaters, you're probably taking either, little sides of them and so you're gonna be taking uh you're gonna be using like the tyrant double name uh traits so you probably be running meat fist just because your battle line in that case would be iron guts lead belchers and gluttons to give you more room um but if you're putting for say the the honestly really fun ex mercenary on like a butcher or something then go and blood gullet just to get the extra spells get that that mystic shield on the man eaters get that plus one attack on the man eaters trying to get the minus one to hit on the targets that are targeting them, help them survive a little bit better because they're, they're really squishy. Um, Blood gullet to give the support to the man eaters would probably be my bet. Have the, have them doing that, have a fire belly doing his little bit of support casting. That'd be my bet. If you were trying to go really heavy in the man eaters. Unless you got under guts to, to give them some firepower from behind the scenes. So while your man eaters are moving up, you got some some lead belchers or some iron blasters supporting, chipping away in preparation for them. 
Yeah, yeah. I think to your point, though, there's just not a lot of synergistic stuff when it comes to the man-eaters, unfortunately. But at the moment, uh, I guess it just depends on what else is around around it. But um, I don't want to spend much time on this particular one. It hasn't really changed a lot. But has there anything that's changed when it comes to your battle line options where you're like, oh, now I'm now I'm considering taking an Icebrow Hunter to run Frost Sabres as battle line or you know, is there any real reason to go with Icefall Yetis and make your general a Thunder Task? Is there anything that you want to call out this particular point? Um, gluttons have are way more uh, damaging, impactful than they used to be. Um, doing the Hunter tech for cheap battle line, that's gotten a decent amount more expensive than it used to be. And Yetis, just as before, paying the Thunder Tusk tax is too much. And they're not even the cheapest battle line. They lost their minus one to hit, which was kind of one thing that they had going for them. I just don't see it. So Glutton stonks up, Sabres and Yetis down, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if I'd want to make... And now... Like if I'm building gut busters, I feel like the tyrant is probably my first choice as a general. I don't know if I want to make the Icebrow Hunter or even a Thunder Tusk if I want the Icefall Yeti. I feel like the left hand side, whether it's the gluttons, the iron guts, the lead belchers, the beast riders, um, the Mournfang pack are probably where I'm gonna mostly sit my battle line options. It's mm. the, the the right hand side is not very attractive to me. Yeah, yeah. You tend to agree, which is good. We've also got, uh, what, four grand strategies and six battle tactics. Let's start at the grand strats. Do you see, and obviously we are at the cusp of a new general's handbook, right? So I don't want to be rubbishing too many things too soon because the new general's handbook might be a whole lot harder grand strats. They could be a whole lot easier. So it's hard to pick. So just within within this frame here, are there ones that probably stand out better than others um, for this particular grand stretch selection? Uh, for our grand strategies, uh, ready to plunder, I think is the only one that realistically you can even do in most games. Uh, Saga of the Mon or yeah, Saga of the Monster Hunter. You can, if you're playing against Nighthaunt, you just don't get your grand strategy. Um, on the Maw Path, it's possible, but significantly harder. And again, it's limiting your options a lot. Because if a few of these, you got about three good, three ones that are possible. But a couple of the battle tactics are significantly harder, if not downright impossible. So you're about almost guaranteed to lose that one. Because you have to do four out of five. And then enough grub for all. Um, it's just too easily denied. You have to kill something after your pot's been emptied within six. It's just too unlikely to happen. I think ready for plunder is it's realistically doable. It's the same as one we've got right now. Um, but I think that one is uh, one to kind of keep in the back of your head if they end up significantly changing the G next GHB because it's a copy of one we've got right now. Yeah, that, and that, and that's the challenge, right? Is that we are on the cusp of a new general's handbook. It's likely to drop December, if not January. So we are middle of November. 
So assuming that we lose the current battle pack, I'd say Ready to Plunder or Sage of the Monster Hunter are probably the two ones that I like. The question is, how do I keep my general alive? So getting the heal, as you mentioned, finding other ways to make my general survivable is going to be critical because I can I, I can kill a monster, but the challenge is some armies don't run monsters. Hmm. So, so you just automatically lose your grand strategy if there is no enemy monster in their army list. Yeah, and... I think Saga the Monster Hunter. I'm still, I'm not sold on that because there's gonna be there's gonna be so many Archeons running around. I don't see that <laughs> that one time of getting that and then it's just gone. There's gonna be Archeons everywhere, and then how many armies just don't even bother running monsters right now? It's that's gonna be a real tough one. And then Archeon uh, does Slayer of Kings to your your Frost Lord on Stonehorn. Well, so no. yeah, I think ready to plunder is the ready to plunder is the one that's most likely to be scored. But there's no easy one, right? A smart general is going to avoid your more pot for enough grub for all. On the more path does reduce the flexibility of the options during the game. Um and, and we've already just talked about the Sage of the Monster Hunter. So I think ready to plunder, if I was forced to play in the battle pack or uh, I don't have any many good options in the general's handbook, ready to plunder is the one. Hmm. Yep. What about what about the battle tactics? Do you like them? Are there ones that maybe you would use more often or are there ones that kind of stand out to you for any reason? Um, Avalanche of Flesh being realistically achievable in almost every game, I think that one is one to keep at the top of your list. Um, just doing 10 mortal wounds with your charge is incredibly, e almost easily achieved if you're charging two to three models in with average charges, you're probably getting that battle tactic. And it's also flexible enough where if you're like one or two short, you still got the option of throwing that little foot hero in or whatever to try and get that last one or two wounds to get your tactic this turn. Um, eat your fill. A little bit harder, but again, possible. Um, being able to just uh, to just throw all what you've got left in like the last turn or two, if it's like just your Frost Lord instead of Mornfang, because it is done at the start of the combat phase. So as long as you don't um, complete, you don't kill them on the charge, which is, is possible, but as long as you don't kill them on the charge, start a combat, um, you can complete your tactic. Um, savor the taste. Again, that's one that also I could see for endgame if you're running off trying to get those objectives from a mostly defeated army. You know, that one could easily be also achieved. Winter take the... I that's probably never going to happen. You have to have a hero on one or two wounds in combat with a beast claw. And you have to it's so it's relying on a less than turn number roll to then do D3 mortal wounds to an opponent that's already almost dead or um and doesn't have a ward. It's just there's so many so many chances for that to straight up fail. Because you, you can't stack it, you can't have multiple beast claw in combat with something. It is it's one guy. That one that it's taken that one well one dice roll three or four times to see if it maybe happens. Um, it's not like you can the, pick them off with a blood vulture or anything else. Like it's straight up it has to happen at the grasp of the Everwinter. So I mean, if you if you won the double turn or something and like you happen to have not killed the hero by one and you happen to find yourself at the start of the, the hero phase with 
one wound left. Um, sure. <laughs> sure. Maybe, but even so, if you're doing that early game, trying to get uh, uh, flip a coin, if you're doing it like turn three, getting a one, two, or three to then do D3 Mortal Wounds, yeah, it'd have to be in-game. It's That's going to be hard. It's a turn four, turn five thing. And just really quickly before you continue, Flamingo Pie, unfortunately, Gargants can't kick terrain features. They can only kick objectives. So uh, it'd be amazing if we could kick the Morpot forward as a mercenary <laughs> to get you closer into the battle. Because I think um, to someone else's comment as well um, down below, the the range of filling up the Morpot is quite restrictive. So if you could either kick it forward, bring it forward, uh have a greater range of 12 to 18 inches. I think it definitely makes things like enough grub for all and eat your fill easier. But because you have such a minimum range, it's 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 too risky for me. It's just too risky in a competitive landscape. Mm. Yeah. And uh yeah, I wish we could set the, the mop pot up a little bit closer, but it's its footprint can be you get um, if you position it slightly wrong. Like I've done this more times than I can count, where I slightly misjudge the width of like my stonehorn base or something, and I can't fit between that big building and my own mop pot and end up having to go all the way around because I made some silly mistake, you know, game five or whatever. It's it can it can backfire a lot, but uh, keeping on with the battle tactics here, let them loose. That one is. I got a question if it's going to be um, carried out. Does that mean successfully or if you just attempted them? If it's just attempted four different monstrous rampages and you had Blubber Grub go off, that is, that's a done deal. Um, having four monsters, having four Stonehorns slash Thunder Tusks, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. So it's going to be a lot if you're betting on getting off Blubber Grub. Um, but it's it's possible, and if it is just attempted to, t um, if you selected them to be done instead of successfully, you know, you didn't roll the one on the stomp or something like that, uh, that one will be good. Boil Their Bones is going to be... It's possible, but if they're near your mop pot, it's... It, you're, you're in a bad spot. <laughs> but having a hero monster, you have to empty it in your hero phase. It's possible but really unlikely your opponent can redeploy out your opponent can you know do so much and you're risking it all on one guy it's it's a choice but it's really unlikely for the circumstances to line up for that all the more reason why on the more path becomes a bit dicey as a grand strategy because there are some that are clutch. Um, and as you just mentioned, right, if I'm within six inches, I redeploy outside of seven. Yeah, sure, you kill my hero or monster, but now I'm out of range of the more pot and you failed that battle tactic. So it's it's questionable. A um, couple of quick ones. Angus um, asking a question. So you couldn't you couldn't do what you're thinking. I, I like the way you're trying to be a bit sneaky like a nobbler. So you'd have to pick your battle tactic before you roll for the Everwinter. So it, it's you, you can't do the the Everwinter and like then try to sneakily see if you could pull it off. It's it is a, a risky play. Um, Hello World asking probably a very good question. It's an hour and a half and we haven't even talked about this. What's our favorite <laughs> food or dish? What is our favorite food or dish? And I expect people in the chat and on the, the replay to be following along and playing this game. So what is your favorite food or dish? 
Oh, a nice smoked brisket. That's what's for me. <laughs> Dry good. rubbed overnight. Ooh. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what I had for dinner last night, which was a which was Lebanese. So I had a flat grilled grilled chicken. So it's like a charcoal uh, grilled chicken with like tabbouleh and hummus and uh, and uh, some lead bread and some pickles and bloody delicious bloody love arabic lebanese food some of the best food in the world <laughs> i love it what was other people's like let, let us know what what your favorite food is like, i need what, to expand what's, my what's palate <laughs> Ooh, Le lebanese food arabic it's so good because it's also like it's very much like barbecue right you use your hands you put it in like this flat lebanese bread it's like a it's kind of like mexican but it's not it's 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 another world um so Cool. Yeah. Battle tactics are great. Uh, pho, oh, yes. Yes. Pho. Love pho. Good Vietnamese soup. Um, all right. All right. Levan nailed it here. S smoked rib elves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough meat around the bones. I think the gargan definitely has better meat, but um, oh, chicken tikka masala. Oh, maybe some palak paneer. Some, oh, this is, this is turning into a, uh, what's, what are they? What's the food stream called? The, um, a mukbang. We'll do a muk an ogre mukbang stream. <laughs> <laughs> do you uh, like any of the battalions? Do you like any of these? Like, um, because like Earl Bad and Yule Bad, I actually it caught me off for a second. I'm like, wait a second, these two things are the same, except that they have a different ability. Yeah, ex exactly. We used to they just rename the same battalions uh, that we used to have before. Uh, Eurobad and Drollbad, they used to be a lot of fun back in 2nd edition. Um, no, unless we go into a, a, uh, a meta with a whole bunch of screens and little itty-bitty units so we can use the Junk Mob to have both the Scrap Launchers kind of kick getting their bonuses from having the Noblars and the giving the all an attack to something. It would only be on the scrap launcher. I just don't see it. Thunder tusks don't carry their weight, even though that's a magnificent, which is the one that catches me the most. Thunder tusks aren't worth it. That's too many points. You'd rather have either um, at this moment in time, and it, well, it'll depend on I guess the new uh, GHB uh, having the attack. Uh, can't remember what the two cross swords, but the free all at attack. Um, uh, for a Stonehorn Beast Rider or a Mornfang unit, that could be interesting. I think um, I Swift. That one could be too. It depends on what the GHB uh, battalions end up being. If we're in a situation again where everybody's in um, either bounty hunters or um, such like that, we end up being better there. So these are at the moment. I don't see it, but something to keep in the back of the mind for new GHB. I will challenge you for a second because we know that the Mournfang, no, no, it's the Beast Riders. Uh, I was just going to say, because Swift with a free at the double or forward to victory might allow you to get around the, um, anyone who's not elite issuing their own commands. So if you don't have the voice of the avalanche, that might be a way to issue or, you know, get that charge in without having to issue it yourself. So might be something to consider. True. But at the same time, wouldn't you at this, at least like kind of saying like in this moment in time, wouldn't you rather have plus one damage if they're fighting uh, little guys 
just putting them up to damage five for their horns on the charge, you know, it's, 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 it's debatable, I guess, both ways. Yeah, I'm talking about a world. I'm talking about a world outside of bounty hunters because it won't last forever. Hmm. Also, yeah. also before we it move could, on to, I can see it. In, yeah, before we move into other things as well, Bartek mentioning, and I would, I would trust the the Frost Lord Haywo. Um, I know Haywo was looking into some things and mentioned the core rules confirms carry out. Uh, is just the attempt. So you don't. If you did raw, you wouldn't have to successfully land raw. You would just have to carry out the monstrous rampage, and that would count towards the the four that you would have to carry four. That's 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 four, not that. But yeah. Uh, so so it's just a, it's just an attempt that doesn't have to be successful. All right, let's talk lists. Let's talk lists. Okay, we've, done a, we've done night. I think a lot stronger. Yeah, yeah, it does, especially if you're setting up the charge. But let's talk list. We've talked 90 minutes. We've kind of got your thoughts and thinking around the book. You've got some ideas. Now, this is not necessarily say this is the only list. This is the only way to play Ogres. But um, but Jacob has provided three lists that we're going to go through. Uh, the first one is Boulder Head. It has a Frost Lord on Stonehorn. You can see it here. Voice of the Avalanche, Arcane Tome, uh, Rock Main Eldar, and Flaming Weapon. Huskard on Stonehorn, Blood Vulture, Metal Cruncher, Pulverizing Hailstorm. Huskard on Thunder Tusk with the Blood Vulture, Rhyme Frost Hide, and Keening Gale. You've also got two units of Mournfang Pack, a, a one Stonehorn Beast Rider, and two units of Gorges coming in at 2k on the nose. What does this list do? How does it work? Where's the key synergies? Talk me through this one. Um. It is, it is, you're going full smooth brain. You're sending your cross lords, threaten and go for that other, for that side objective. You're having your beast riders go up the side with your two Mornfang to try and come off that side. Uh, you have the Gorgers popping up to give you either defense on your flanks if they're trying to deep strike in or going on on their side for the free battle tactics. And you're just going to going for pound town, essentially seeing how much you can kill, how quickly that's the, the fun way to do it. <laughs> so this, this is the, this is the ABC list. This is the always be charging list. You're maximizing your frost, your stone horns, you're getting in, uh, you got your Mornfang pack to be charging as well. You got a little bit of sideboard shenanigans with the with the gorges. It's interesting actually because, um, I mean they're cheap, right? Eighty points a piece, so they give you a bit of flexibility on the board. Mm. Yeah, and the the gorgers preventing um, the inspiring presence. If you are lucky enough to get them in, like if you say you get your more important charges of your frost lord your huskard and your beast riders in and that gorger he could be really helpful if you know if you've killed off half a screen off the charge giving having voice of the avalanche to have that frost lord issue across the board to the gorger to reroll his charge could make a big difference i've got a question for you because um this this comment has raised a raised another question, which is obviously the triple blood vulture just doing a bunch of cheeky mortal wounds and sniping heroes, which is great. 
But there was another thing. There was another rule that I, I, I question the value. And if I don't take the blood vulture, I can take the, the trap, that trap thing. Um, I don't know if you remember the trap where you can, what is yeah. it? What's the stupid rule? Like, do you see value in going the trap over the blood vulture oh, or do you snag. see a, yeah, the snag thing, the, uh, reel them in, is it reel them in after the attack made with the chain trap scores a hit on an enemy mm -hmm. monster. If it's not destroyed on a four up, the monster is snagged and it, each time it moves, it must finish close. Yeah. Talk to me about this. The, it's i wouldn't take it solely for the reason that the chain traps are the worst possible thing to not have break on you every time you try and take them anywhere um as far as the rule itself i can only see it yeah it's you have to get a four up and then a four up to get it to even do anything the only time i could see it doing anything of real value is because most of the monsters you're going to try and be shooting it at, you're going to... It prevents a retreat because they can't move farther away from you from that specific model. It could do help with some shenanigans with stuff like Manfred. If you charge Manfred, you don't get the kill on him. He teleports away. That prevents him from going after your backline more so. You've got a magical chain trap that just jumps 100 yards, right? But I can't see the use of it over a near guaranteed mortal wound on that little support here on the back because the the bird yeah there's there's too many sequence failures right because you've got to score the hit on the enemy monster not kill it uh and then if it if it hasn't died and you did score the hit on a four up then it's snatched so you could go through this entire sequence yeah. And then roll a three, and it was for nothing. Yeah. And, you know, as Bartek said as well, the Vulture got buffed as well. So now it's board wide as opposed to it used to be. It was an 18 or 30 inch range. So you could be sniping, and you've got multiple 30. blood vultures here. So you could be sniping across the board. Um, yeah, it's brutal. Mm. Anything else you'd call out on this list? Like it's it's a simple list, but it's an effective list. This is a low model count, um, very simplistic, you know, in, in synergies and what it's trying to do. It's very independent with the way you play on the board. So it's just um, yeah, it's a it's a fun list. It's a great list. Yeah, it's one that's going to be really really deployment dependent because with having as many hero monsters as you do, you're not going to get choice of first turn against most lists because you're going to be at minimum four if you change the battalions around. So you're always going to be going either being forced to go first to uh, because they're trying to bait you in or you're going to be made to go second as they try and alpha you off in like Iron Jaws cases. So it's going to be, you're going to be really dependent on those Mornfang packs to try and screen. And if you want to even put the Gorgers in the sky, if you don't want to just have one little turd sitting out in front of you to take a charge, make their charge impossible, etc. The uh, placement on this is going to be key. Yeah. 
Uh, before we go to your second list, I just want to shout out this comment has made my day. Hello World saying, obviously, in reference to the blood vulture, that they can go hit somebody else on a different table to them. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Show me a TO that, <laughs> at a GT that lets me do a blood vulture to help my friend. And that 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 TO I owe will be. Like, that's, that's, that's gold. Imagine um, that you're like, yeah, I want to go. I want to go help my friend score their objective. I'm going to send my blood vultures on table 27. Uh, the second list is your underguts. You've got no place for the week. This is a bit more of a. Uh, this is the, this is obviously using your iron blasters. You got a butcher, which is a tenderizer, and the molten entrails. The frost lord on stonehorn, which is a general touched by the everwinter. The seed of Alvagar. Uh, rock made elder and pulverizing hailstorm you've got a slaughter master with the, the trophy rack and the blubber grub stench six ogre gluttons you've got two mournfang two mournfang three iron blasters and you've got ravenashing jaws the endless spell and noblars so uh this one you use two battalions you use the warlord and bounty hunters given you have lots of troops yeah due to having three iron blasters you're again going to be at minimum four drops because the only battalion in that the, the one drop battalion only allows a single iron blaster. So you could one or two, you're better off just getting all the bonuses you can. So, so this is the list I'm kind of favoring at the moment. It needs a little bit of tweaking, but I, it has all the things that I like. Um, it has casting. It allows. It has a priest. It has a good beat stick in the gluttons. It has a screen for the noblars. It's got a little bit of shenanigans with the jaws. Jaws are fast. You can do, if you're positioning your frost lord, uh, if you're running him up to take care of something midboard. You can cast the jaws and essentially use it as like a, a flank protector. Plop it right next to his his weak side where that's those um, annihilators or whatever trying to come at. Because you can't end a charge on that flank, you can almost protect yourself with it in a spell. It's and it has the speed to potentially keep up with the frost lord after two movements. That's why I like jaws so much. You can also throw in the life swarm. A little bit slower, but again, healing on the Frost Lord is exceptionally good. Um, Butcher, always a good solid one. Always fun to get the maw off and do those that one or two mortal wounds until you spook your opponent and do that twenty that one game. Uh, Gluttons, I if you're taking my min units, I would always probably take them with a lookout Noblar, just because having the plus one bravery is nice. But when you're in combat getting plus two anyways, having a minus one to wound against shooting always, I think will serve them better. Mm. And for Mornfang packs in two, having them with the Iron Fist and the Culling Clubs, again, I think is going to do you better. If you're going into fours, um, yeah, Jaws are super thematic. I One of the reasons I love them. Having the Mornfang pack in twos with the Hackers and Iron Fist uh, does you better because they're essentially screens and going up there to help the Frost Lord do his job without taking too much Excuse me, from the Unleash. Um, I do have a uh, Warlord because command points, you can get kind of hungry on those. The Frostlord lost his, he gained a plus one to all Beast Claw charging, but he lost the AoE reroll. So a plus and a minus, 
it's not you're not as reliable for getting the Mornfang and the Frostlord in like you used to be with that. It, it is and it isn't. So it costs a CP now to to do that a little bit more reliably. That's why I like Warlord over just a Command Entourage. Um, and Bounty Hunters, just because Bounty Hunters is stupid strong right now. Um, but Iron Blasters picking going up, picking off those either strong heroes that you think are going to threaten your Frost Lord, or then little support heroes hiding at the back with their essentially 39-inch range on their cannonballs and the, what is it, 21 on the Scattershot, helping take out those front lines. It's, it's nice and rounded. You're thin on bodies with as many heroes as you got. So again, it's going to be a positioning thing, but it's, I think this has got some teeth. And I imagine the so slaughter master is, <laughs> I imagine the slaughter master is hanging out with the iron blasters with its groovy, gruesome trophy rack, um, giving a nice little boost as well. You almost like a backfield support and then the rest kind of move mm. forward. Yeah. I will say as well. Usually, though, I end up playing the butcher, the butcher, and the little threat of the. Excuse me. Go on, please. No, so go, Jacob. Um, the butcher in the in the hut of the uh, the mop pot to give the forward support to the frost lord and the mornfang to give them a, either molten entrails in the first turn or uh, mystic shields and whatnot. Uh, denies up front. The slaughtermaster he kind of hangs off a little bit to the side. He's still staying within 12 of the Frostlord as the, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's the three and the four. Again, just supercharging up that Frostlord so he can get in there and do damage. But he can also throw that on the Gluttons or the Mornfang. And, but he's so squishy. You want to kind of have him hiding off to the side a little bit because he's going to be a, a number one target again because of him being the, the double, uh, the double threat on both the blubber grub and the gruesome trophy rack for your iron blasters. Question, and this might be a, a copy pasta error because Discord, uh, when you use single and double asterisks, uh, it changes fonts and things. Were the ogre gluttons in um, Bounty Hunter, or were they always were they in Warlord? Was that a copy paste error for me? Uh, that may have been a copy paste error. The uh, Noblars were supposed to be in the Warlords, and the Gluttons and Mornfang are supposed to be in the Bounty Hunters. Cool. I, I thought so. When when you, when you do it in Discord, uh, double asterisk turns it into bold. So uh, I I had hacked that. That's that's my bad. That's my bad. But hey, you got to live without Bounty Hunters soon. You got like it's got a shelf life. So, yeah. uh, but at the moment, yeah, Gluttons with um with Bounty Hunters is obviously great. The other call out I just want to make with Bartek saying um, Iron Fist on Mornfang, uh, he's claiming does more damage than hackers. Uh, against most saves anyway hackers slightly pull ahead against three up or two up so a bit of mass hammering there i guess it depends on the meta and what you're fighting into and what's going to give you more value but uh that's what bartex maths, maths is showing us thanks yeah. for that I, I believe he's right um i just like having the iron fists anyways because you're not sending them to crack the hard stuff that's the frost lord's job they're sit they're there to get shot and potentially throw a couple more to wounds back when they get attacked yeah, great. I mean, obviously, yeah, the hackers give you a bit more flexibility. Oh, I mean, obviously, it depends on pros and cons, right? Like the the, the Iron Fist is giving you a bit more flex. 
Um, and then finally, the last list is the Thunderbellies list. So no place for the week. You've got your Butcher with Molten Entrails. You've got the Slaughtermaster with Levitate. Frostlord on Stonehorn, um, basically the same loadout, I think it is. But this mm -hmm. one has Craggy. Craggy, 720 points of goodness. You've got two Mournfang, three Mournfang pack. And the Horror Ghast. That was an endless spell I wasn't expecting to see in a Ogre's list. So how are you mitigating the fact that one third of your points is going into Kragnos, an 18 point wound hero? Um, you're, he is such a threat by himself that most of the time he ends up being a little distraction Carnifex off by himself. You give him either levitate to try and help him get where he needs to be to be the most threatening. And that lets, again, your Frost Lord be almost the star of the show uh, to go off and kill the necessary targets. Kragnos counting as, I believe it's 30, putting yeah. him right up front and center. Um, and again, Keenan Gale working to help Kragnos be a little bit better. If you can get the levitate off on him, just making Kragnos walk up, stand in your opponent's face, say, deal with me while your frost lord and mornfang go and try and pick around at different stuff uh i used to with the points changes this is kind of a list i used to run uh trying to adapt it for the current edition the points changes changed it from being able to take either a unit of noblars or the and excuse me the jaws and cogs like i used to to have more reliable cast on levitate and the the butcher um to having the horgast you could play down 40, play for the uh, play for the triumph, get the re the plus one of wounds on probably a frost lord at that right time. Horgast, I think, was as many again peck wounds because being able now to have thunderbellies, having the mournfang run up uh, potentially 20 each turn, keeping up ahead of Kragnos and the frost lord. So if you're auto-sixing them, they're moving up 20. Kragnos is moving up 10 behind them. They're still within 12. They're getting that kind of re that really reliable charge. Having the horror ghasts, uh, I believe it's cast within 12 and then move 8. And then it's mm. a 12-inch aura, I believe, if I read right. So it'll be able to oh, just, if you're yeah, shutting down the shutting inspire, inspiring presence. Keeping... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's its main ability that I'm looking for is shutting off inspiring presence to help um, when the frost lord cracks into those screens and he's able to get in the back, um, keeping those screens from auto passing, keeping the mourn thing a little bit safer from again having the because they're gonna be sitting there brawling with the screens probably for the two or three rounds this game takes it's gonna be over quick either way either you're gonna win quick or you're gonna die quick, um, keeping that keeping them honest, making them use their command points to try and defend, not even bothering to use all up, uh, excuse me, inspiring presence. It'll be, a, it'll be a brutal one. Hmm. I think personally, I'd probably play with the triumph. I think I would, I mean, there's too much like there's Lumineth, you got Zinch, you got Seraphon. You've got a lot of magic Dom happening at the moment, dominance and, not a lot of native pluses to cast the horror gust. So I think, I think personally I, I would just not run the horror gust, but I do see the value in why you would um, do it, especially if you can clear, I mean, there's too much bravery 10 as well. There's so much bravery 10. I don't know. It's just, it's situational, hmm. I guess. 
Yeah. I see I personally see a lot of Beastmen, so I've always I've been somewhat clamoring for a horror guest because I see Beastman constantly. <laughs> but um Yeah. Yeah, and I guess this is this is the benefit of this discussion, right? It's early thinking. We get to practice some people, you know, other people in the community. And I know you, you know you're a champion in my Discord as well. You know, we go, oh, I tried this. This worked really well. Have you considered this? And we kind of all grow and learn together and kind of work and crack through this battle time, which is which is awesome. Um, and that's probably the, the benefit of doing such a an early discussion is we, we, we get our thoughts together and people are going to jump in the chat and we discuss and. Um, pros and cons a couple of burning questions before i kind of like we, we wrap this up because it's been a great chat by the way we could probably go for hours um i know levan was talking a little bit about you know gargant would you would you bring in a mercenary mega gargant into the new book so you've got you've got actually options to all of them you can do the beast smasher the kraken eater the wall stomper mm. the gatebreaker not not king broad but all of the other mega gargants would you bring any in I think um, I don't think we take the Gatebreaker simply because he's he's pretty much a cross lord that costs a little bit more. He has the shooting attack, which is okay, but we're so tight on points right now that I couldn't see a Gatebreaker, a Kraken Eater, maybe. Um, if you're playing Underguts, having that kind of a big box up there to help with your objective play while keeping your cannons a little bit safer in the back. I could potentially see that. His damage, he's also ran to, I believe, four damage with his stuff. He possibly, and he could also, he's like a, a horror guest on wheels, I suppose. He's not held up by the Noblar screens. There might be some play in a Kraken Eater. Uh, the, excuse me, the Beast Smasher I don't see, unless, again, we're going back backwards into a monster meta. He has no shooting attacks. He has a Ren 3 attack. Yeah, nah. And then uh, the War Stomper. The, he's really good at dealing with chaff, which, again, we no. We, we have Gluttons for, to do that for significantly cheaper. Gluttons will do, I think they actually heavily outdamage a, Vance, or a War Stomper, if I'm reading it right. Um, the only reason I'd consider a war stomper maybe is his the mercenary trait he gets where he gives a minus one to hit aura off, which potentially could be useful um, for helping keep the if you're playing like full on gutbusters, keeping them alive a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I could see maybe the Kraken Eater in a underguts, maybe the war stomper in a uh, like a full gutbusters list, but other than that, not really. I would have said no in most cases, with the exception of maybe a gatebreaker. I could see it's got an ability where you can sacrifice its attacks and on a four up do four D6 mortal wounds. So if you just want to absolute wallop something and have a big body of 35 wounds, I could see that. But I think I think if I'm an ogre player, I'm more likely to go Frostlord and Stonehorn, even if I'm a, a gutbuster player, if I want to get uh you know a, a tanky hero it's some things that are already synergistic i get a lot of things that are in my book i think you're losing too much going into the mercenary alley but 
The other consideration and a question from the chat from Hello World is what about allies? I don't really talk about allies in my last video, but you can bring in Aelgars, Legargans, and Trogoths. Is there anything in that for you? No. Uh, Aelguzzler, uh, Gargants, are, they're just so bad. It's its hilarious. Um, Rockgut Trogoths are slightly more durable Iron Guts with none of the abilities. They're, they're what is it, two attacks, fours, threes, minus two, three, which is a one less attack, one less to hit um, Iron Gut. They're 145 versus the 270 Iron Guts, but I think the synergy of Iron Guts, the, the bites, the impact hits, is it's going to do it for them. I think Trogs are also too low bravery, and we don't want to be spending CPs to auto-pass Trogs over our own boys if need be. Uh, the Fellwaters, their shooting range is too short. We'd rather just take Lead Belchers for their 18-inch minus two shots instead. Yeah, and you can't and you can't take the trog off from cruel boys. It's specific to the gloom spike gets trog off. Um, the only the only exception I would have here, and Games Workshop are a bunch of jerks for this. I would take the trog off hag if I could, but mm -hmm. she's four hundred and five points. Five points. Yeah, if she was four hundred, yeah. I'd Trogoth. ally her every day. But she's five points over. Yeah, have her spell would be amazing. Having the minus one to hit, minus one to save, getting Ribbreaker back on her boys, that would pay so many dividends. Yeah. Um, a couple of burning, maybe maybe quick rapid fire questions, and then we'll kind of bring it home. This has been awesome, Jacob. Um, any advice for me when it comes to deploying? with ogres are you someone who deploys at the top of the line are you someone who is castling up like how do you look at deployment obviously battle plans opponents priority and all that stuff is going to come into play but is there any advice you'd give me um generally um i think you're going to be reactionary more so you're going to be reacting uh based on what your opponent is. If your opponent is if your opponent is running Iron Jaws and most of the time talking to your opponent, you know who's going to be going first. If they're Iron Jaws and they're lower drops on you, they're going to be trying to go first. Deploy accordingly. If they're playing Lumineth, you know they're going to be trying to shoot you off the board. A caveat to that to to Lumineth, probably both snakes and KO is it don't even bother deploying back because you're going to get shot anyways. Most of the time, if you can deploy at like 24 and one tenths back from the bow snakes for the hero phase shooting, that might pay you dividends. But Lumineth, they're going to shoot you. KO, they're going to shoot you. Just get up as close as you can. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that your opponents give you, because a lot of your list that you just showed me were high drops you were never three drops or one drop right so you, so you're always at the mercy of your opponent giving you first or second do you find people give you first knowing that you're out of charge range and they're worried about maybe you double turning them from one to two or what what do you find just generally when it comes to that first first battle round it's if you're playing against somebody who who knows what you do, 
they're going to make you go first and deploy accordingly. So it's you got to go the go the back and forth. If you know you're going to get made to go first, get your objectives, get your secure space, and um, try and deploy accordingly. The one thing that that I'm noticing a lot is people are not necessarily forcing me to go first when I have cannons. The threat of the cannon is making them want to come come embrace me more so. So I think the iron blasters are going to shake up our, our stuff a lot. It's I've had a couple Stormcast opponents that were one dropping me were still choosing to go first because they wanted, even though like they had their heroes in the back line, no way I could get to them. They were still choosing to go first because they wanted to get at least one or two of my cannons offline first. So, which in turn gave me the chance for a double turn, which happened those two games. So it's 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 going to be an interesting couple of couple new kind of learning experience. Learning the to have the range threat because thirty nine is is quite the threat range. <laughs> Yeah, and like I think, you know, Bartek mentioning here, you know, whenever, and uh, as an opponent, whenever I play against Ogres before this battle tome, you'd give away first because unless Kragnos was in the list, it's super unlikely that you're going to hit the charge in turn one. It's just so unlikely. So that gives me the opportunity to then respond with some magic, some shooting, some positioning. Um, and if I get the double turn, that's a way to, for me to pull down one or many of your heroes. Um, or at least it's you go, I go, you go, I go. But you, you've raised an interesting point with the Iron Blasters now with that range of 30. Um, that does now pose some very serious threats, especially if you synergize with the Grossum tr Trophy Rack. You've got multiple Iron Blasters. Now it's a hard decision. Do I take first and try to handle some of these shooting or you're going to snipe out and destroy some of my key pieces? Or do I give it away try to handle these 30-inch attacks without any of my critical buffs like Mystic Shield or anything up and hope for the best. I think you've now posed a very challenging question to your opponents. Yeah, that's what that's what it's going to help you in Ogre is you give your, your ideal, your ideal situation is you give your opponents two decisions, both of them bad, and when they pick one bad, you just take the other and run with it. Yeah, yeah, and and, that, and that's how you, you know that's that's the key, right? You know, forcing your opponent to make decisions. Um, what's the key to success? Like, what's the key to victory? Because you have had some great wins, and you know, you've done very, very well. Again, number one ITC ranked ogre player. What's been the key to success so far when it comes to running ogres? Is there anything that happens during the game? Any mindset things? Is there anything that you're you know you could share with us to to make us better ogre players? Um, know what your opponent does is as as trivial as that sounds. Knowing that what unit they got is gonna try and target your important heroes. Knowing what their what their battle plan is, predicting what their battle plan is to play around that is gonna do you the best. Because like like I've been saying, your stuff is pretty good on its own. It's it's decent. Most of your stuff can handle themselves on their own. So if you know what your opponent's trying to do, but they don't know what you're trying to do, if you can throw them off their game enough to where you can capitalize on mistakes because they don't understand that 
say my little iron blaster in the back, it's no pushover. He can run up and he can slap some, slap some face or that um, mm. you can tell your opponent, like I've had opponents before where I tell them, I don't have a lot of tricks. I run forward and I hit stuff really hard. They deploy right at the line and I say, okay, I run forward. I smash all your stuff. All your stuff's dead. Sorry. <laughs> so knowing what they do and knowing what you I do think, is essentially it. Yeah. I think the other consideration as well is uh, the Frost Lord on Stonehorn. Everyone's been stomped at least once if you run it in your list. Now, obviously, if you're if you're gut busters and you're not running them, I think there's going to be a lot of opponents playing against uh, gut busters going, what is this army? What do you do? Like I, when I play with my Gloom Spike Gits, people have no idea what the army does because it's not very common. It's just like, what? What does this do? Like hungry, eating, movement, shenanigans, noblar traps. Like what? But with your Frost Lord, I think when you've got a Frost Lord on Stonehorn, it is a carn effects of distraction. People will see it. They'll want to take it down as quick as possible which obviously works in your advantage, right? Because, yeah, you might lose your general, but in turn, your whole army is able to be unwounded, do its thing. It can be a big distraction piece. So I guess learning how to play without your Frost Lord, when it goes down, it'll be targeted. But two, how do you maximize the rest of your army? I think that's some some key learnings as an Ogre player. Oh, yeah. There's going to be... Keeping your Frost Lord safe is, again, why why you have the Mourn Fang to help him out him be where he needs to be help him stay safe when he's where he needs to be um but i think in the near future people are gonna fear <laughs> fear iron guts and fear gluttons for saying oh those those little foot dudes oh they're gonna oh oh they're gonna slap somebody into space yeah <laughs> I can't wait. For, I hope you get at least a couple of games in with the battle plan that lets you, uh, I've forgotten its name, that allows you to do rally. Is it on a five up if you're on the objective? Or is it four up if you're um, like getting some additional rally on some of those like gluttons? <laughs> so good. Well, I want to eventually, just for shits and giggles, I want to do that fun 18 glutton hammer list and just see how far how far they can get before they start taking oh oh man that see how much damage i can get if i like throw an archeon or something would you consider the crud spine i don't just off based off a of principle <laughs> But it it does solve all right of outside problems. of principle. All right, outside of principle. <laughs> yeah, it does solve one of our problems of having a of not having flying and not having a anvil piece, having something else besides a frost lord for your opponent to worry about. But being for eighty, costing more than a frost lord, I you could maybe the bonus to casting. He gives the reroll charge aura, which could be something, something to keep in the back of your head because rerolling charges is with uh, Iron Guts, Gluttons, Morn Fang, and the Frost Lord all having a flat plus one. Um, that could that stacks up a lot. Um, plus one to cast, making your butchers back in the back have plus two to cast when they're near the pot. There's some good synergy. It's We'll see. It's it's got some play, I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you are a man of principle, and I appreciate that you are a principle skill. Sorry, a man of principle skill and sheer power of will, as Sunshine in Black has mentioned. I love it, but it does it does compete with the Frost Lord on Stonehorn, right? It's a tanky monster. Obviously, there's pros and cons on either side. It doesn't have the mortal wounds like those the the monstrous rampages and the trampling charge, and it doesn't have those things. But it's going to pin your opponent in with no retreat. Obviously, the way it handles wounds can can work in your favor, and it can stop. Most of your army is relatively squishy, right? Like you don't have a lot of high armor saves outside of your monster heroes or your monster troops. So it can be one way, especially maybe in the gut buster side, if you want to get some like, would I take a mega gargant? Was a question we asked earlier. I think Cron Spine fits in your list better than a mega gargant, but you know, depends on what you want. And if you are someone who wants to play Cronspine competitively, it's very good. All right. Two more questions and we're going home. First one is how do I beat you as an ogre player? If I'm someone who has listened to this and I'm not an ogre player and I'm like, how on earth do I handle this new book? Do you have any advice to me to, to defeat my next ogre player? Um. If you're playing an opponent that has a butcher with the uh, blubbergrub stanch, or has a tyrant with the uh, tyrant slash a butcher with the uh, the trophy rack, he is going to be one of your important targets. But don't zoom, don't laser focus on him to having the point of letting some the frost lord, some monster uh, going out the back. If you got long long range ability through magic or your own shooting to take out the cannons themselves that'll save you a ton of a ton of time because it's nine wounds on a four up that's it's not bad but that's also not a lot so that they can go down Mm. pretty quick i had people uh stormcast players calling down the comet took down two cannons top of one it's not impossible it's it depends on your list. You got to play around whether you're doing. Um, you got to play against the cannons, know their range, 39 inch. That one hurts, but that's not going to hurt quite as much as the hail shots. And then if you're playing against monsters, um, <laughs> yeah, give give me something to eat. That'll be good. Give me that or a beer. We'll be best friends. Um, if you're playing against the heavy monster list, remembering that I can do the follow through charge and move really far. Don't leave a nice big hole for me to set my base down next year. Squishy general or hero. And if you're going to kill a Frost Lord, you're going to need to put a lot into him and be prepared for that because he can be incredibly tanky. So if you're going to kill him, you, you're you going to be doing turn all guns, turn all men, get going. And we didn't even talk about your Frost Lord gain. I mean, all of your hero, your monsters gain two wounds, right? They all increase. So, mm-hmm. let alone the boost in Boulder Head. So now, what a Boulder Head Stonehorn, Frost Lord Stonehorn is what seven, seventeen wounds. Yeah, 18? seventeen. So seventeen on a, yeah, it's seventeen. Fifteen for a Frost Lord's base. Fourteen for Beast Rider slash Huskard's base. So 17 wounds, 3-up armor, 5-up ward on Stonehorn. Probably going to be minus 1 to wound. 
Um, if they if they know you're coming after them, they're going to be doing uh, best day ever for. So he's going to be a two up, five up. If you're going to be putting shooting into him, all defense. So one up, three up, five or one up, five up, and healing from the. If you don't take him down, pop the pot, pop heroic recovery. He's just right back up and going again. This is Nurgle. Like, if anyone's ever tried to pull down a great unclean one, you are on par with the great unclean one. A couple of wounds different, but you are on par. And I think people know how tough a great unclean one is, but it doesn't do nearly as much damage as what a Frost Lord on Stonehorn does. But um, yeah, I love it. I love it. Jacob, I got one final question for you, and then I'm going to have lunch, and you're going to go handle things that you handle. Um, you missed out on a couple of things. There's some things in this book that you would have loved to have included. If there was one unit you get to add to the to the Ogre Moor tribes, a brand new unit, something different, what would you add to the next book? If I could add anything I want, I honestly think I would like a, a, a bruiser, a, a foot hero, less than a tyrant, but still able to go out there and actually brawl a little bit give kind of like uh kind of like a mega boss does where he can uh support the troops around him a little bit better have instead of having just the tyrant having a littler little hero that's not a caster i think would be something i'd like because this art is honestly i'm i'm really happy honestly god <laughs> i'm gonna pick a low-hanging fruit you know what I really want? Unmounted stone horns and thunder tusks. Give me some wild beasts. Yeah. Also, an, also a named character. It 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 drove me insane when Soulblight Grave Lords got a named vampire lord on zombie dragon to be Prince Vordry with literally just a head swap. It was literally a head swap. Nothing new. It was just the same kit. Same kit from the from the two thousands. Where is my named? Where is my named heroes? Where is my greasiest gold tooth? Yeah. Where is my named Husguard or Thunder Tusk or? Give me someone named. Give me somebody. Yep. Bragath Bard Bardock, I believe it's something like that. He'd probably be. I wish they'd give us that because that would be sweet. I have I have a little bit of concern with named heroes because like Gordrak. He's really cool, but you never see him. The named, like, uh, other named orc, uh, Gobsprack, and what's the other one? The other Cruel Boys one. Named heroes are cool, but, man, most of the time they miss the mark with them. I feel more often than not. No, I, I, I love my named heroes. And I think if Grease's Goldtooth came back, like a unique, fatty, 10 plus... It's, it's probably one thing that's been missing on the Gutbuster side is it doesn't have a tanky hero. Nobody who has more than 10 wounds. Give me a, a name yeah. Nobla hero. That, well, that, that's an Underworld's Warband, yeah. straight up. Underworld's Warband, name, name <laughs> Nobla hero. Yeah. Oh, even yeah. Like a, Morf a Morfang hero would be great too. I'd love to see some more th things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that could be that could be fun. Have a have a give a this speed while still keeping the gut 
Buster keyword, make maybe a Rhinox. That would be fine. Fang and a Stonehorn. There's even. And I think the only key, uh, only thing I really want to see in the FAQ was just a, a little bit of cleanup. I think we've already talked a little bit about, like, obviously, the man eaters not having the the keyword. I think there's some things that need some clarification, but I think mostly this is this is a solid book. I don't think there's a lot of cleanup and nerfing. I think um, Warhammer Weekly was talking about this as well. I could see the Iron Blasters going up in points. I think they may be a little bit too cheap now for what they do, but um, I think they're they're in a pretty good spot. It's a good book. It's it it's not too messy. Yeah, the only thing for the FAQ would be the um, has been has been said by others is the uh, the Beast Riders losing the Harpoon Launcher, even though you physically can't build a kit without the Harpoon Launcher, is a little bit weird. Yes, um, assuming that's a typo. Um, yeah, but most of the stuff is it's pretty good. I'm <laughs> got nothing more to say. I'm happy. Yeah, that's great, and that's and that's where you want to be. You you don't want to have a book that's completely busted because you know it's going to be FAQ'd. You and I said this to some people the other day. I'm like, um, when something is a good war scroll, but it's a, maybe it's too high in points or too low in points, points can be adjusted really easily. When you have a bad war scroll, you have a, a bad war scroll for years. So uh, I would much rather a war scroll and points tweaks than having something that was rubbish and no points discount sometimes can save a unit. So it's a good book. And like legitimately it's a good book. And I, I can't wait to see both sides, both the gut busters and the beast claw Raiders hitting the table again, because especially the gut busters, I just haven't seen them since. I don't think I've played against gut busters. I played one game on TTS recently with discord member, but outside of that, um, I don't think I've played gut busters for years. Yeah. Nah, it was it was too hard to too hard to make it work. The Frost Lord had too much weight on his back. Yeah. Jacob, if people want to chat to you, is there any shout outs you want to make? I can see Grumney's been in a chat, you know, being your your, your cheerleader uh the whole stream. But is there anyone you want to shout out, your your <laughs> your, your local crew? Uh if people want to talk to you, where do they find you on the internet? Um yeah, I'm I'm out here in uh the Texas meta, if you're out in our area, I'm part of the uh, the Dallas Defenders. Uh, we're always happy to take on more people if you'd like to come out here and play. Um, shout out uh, Matt Taylor. He's on the uh, Everchosen podcast. Him and his buddies out there trying to get stuff going. And then um, if you all ever get the chance, join us out here in Texas. We got a, we got a good meta, good strong meta. Gavin Gagar's out here. Here in North Korea's going. I'll be joining back in on that soon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Internet Gods. I think both sides of us have been an absolute horror show. Thank you for everyone. I hope that the stream wasn't too bad. I think we, we tried to have a little bit – it was a little bit less interactive than you would normally hear on a show because I think we'd just be clashing a lot. But um, this was a great discussion. Jacob, you clearly know your ogres. You are 
more than welcome now to feast on the more pot. And um, this is great. I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know in the comment section what you think, how you're building your lists. Um, someone asked earlier about the Gutbuster side. I'm going to try to have another stream as well with somebody else to bring some additional thoughts. So I thought we'd save a few things for another guest um, to bring some different perspective and we could go into the other side. But uh, it seems like you really enjoyed it. You know what to do. Like, subscribe, comment, leave me comments. Let me know how you're thinking about the Ogre book because um, I think there's a lot of list tech in there. And like, yes, the Iron Blasters are some low-hanging fruit, but I want to see someone do some Noblar tech. I want to see someone build around Noblars and scrap launchers and use the, is it the command trait that makes Noblars immune to battle shock <laughs> within 18 inches? I reckon there's something in that with the with the the traps and Hawthgorn. And I, I think there's some, some Noblar. Now is the age of Noblar. Mm -hmm. i think I've, i think i've stunned jacob i think i think i've stunned jacob all right thanks everyone we're gonna drop off uh let me know in the comments what you think about it <laughs> don't clip that That's thanks terrible. for hanging around until the end i hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas if you did i would love it if you press like on the video as well as left me a comment to let me know what your thoughts are the conversation will continue over on discord and the link is down below in the video description I want to give a massive shout out as well to the AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members who are going in and the funds are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you're all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a one on a redeploy.